Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, although we have some today. And this beer is going to stir up trouble. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jenna. And I'm April from Bitches and Bourbon, here with... Hey, Reba, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing lovely. These guys let us into their house. I'm so excited. I I think they're going to realize very soon they made big mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> they got their hands full tonight. Thanks for having us, guys. Sounds like a real nightmare. I'm going to make a lot of horse puns. This week we are doing... The fuck are we doing again? Oh, yeah. All the Pretty Horses <laughs> by Cormac McCarthy. I just finished it this afternoon. Uh, and Nate, apparently, is starting with a beer. Okay, so this beer is called... This beer is a one we haven't had for a long time. It's from Off Color Brewing, which I have not seen in the stores for a long time. This beer is called Beer for Dealing with Your Family. Because right in the beginning, John... Right, that's his name? Mm-hmm. Right. It's John. John he does not deal with his family. He just leaves. And then when he gets to Mexico and he, he doesn't deal with Alejandra's uh, family very well. Anyway, this beer is beer for dealing with your family. Although it's actually not beer, it's actually a 12% malt liquor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so strong they couldn't legally call it beer. They so, like but, the t- but I, I, I think they made the title and they like printed the cans and then they were like, uh-oh, we can't legally call this beer. Anyway, I'm going to try it. I mean, I think like all the off-color ones are like beer for whatever. That's like they, have a, they have a lot of names. Like beer for is pizza, it? table beer. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh, okay. This is very strong. Woo. Yeah, it's malt liquor, man. Actually, I want to say it's really a barley wine. Is that That's what it tastes like to me. Tastes almost like a Belgian ale. It has that like coriander flavor. Hmm. Not what I was expecting. You should Quite put strong, it though. put it in the appropriate serving ware. Put it in a brown paper bag and drink out of it. Then <laughs> you could see it'll really. I thought hit he was going to say trash, better. but okay. <laughs> that was not what I was expecting, but it's uh, pretty good. It looks like a rather large serving as well. It is. It, it looks like half of a forty to me. <laughs> so it's a twenty. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It might be a tw- it might be a twenty, isn't it? I think 20 it is. Can, yeah. I think it's twenty. Better nineteen point two. That's the new big. Uh, that's a that's the only math that matters. Oh, don't. I'm how, trying. How don't look. Your can. Don't look. It's just four ounces. Just drink it. You're fine. It's like a shot. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You'll be fine. So Cormac McCarthy's All the Pretty Horses came out in 1992, and there's a shitty movie of it, but I don't remember. I watched it a long time ago. I think on an airplane or something. Yeah, and, it was uh, pretty shitty. It was Matt Damon, Penelope Cruz. Um, I think Billy Bob Thornton directed it. It, it wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't random. great. And uh, so Sling Blade directed it. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say that that should give you some insight there. Were there. So many, so many taters in the movie. <laughs> Should've done that. He did the horse. <laughs> like the whole thing. So uh, John Grady Cole. The movie takes place in like the what nineteen forty nine or something. Forty nine. Yes. Something like that. And uh, he is a 16-year-old man-boy because he uh, is a man, basically. Though, now that I'm, you know, way older than that, I think, and I see 16-year-olds, I think they're, you know, babies. So I'm very just impressed that he was able to feed himself. Um, (laughs) But he, you know, his grandfather dies. That's how it starts. On the family ranch uh, in Texas, in a place I don't know where. I don't know shit about Texas. San Angelo. Right. Um... Which is maybe a place in real life. I don't know. It could be. With the Cormac McCarthy, there's nothing like an accidental detail. So that probably means something. But I don't know what this one does. 
And it means uh, saint angels. So uh, scholars are not sure what it means, but the, <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows. But then he's he wants to keep the ranch or the farm or whatever the fuck it is. But it's like through some convoluted law- lawyering, he finds out that his mom and dad are divorced, and that she's keeping the ranch and selling it, and he can't inherit it or something like that. And I bet he was really pissed at his mom for a second. He probably considered matricide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is this imperial stout with almonds, almond paste, mm, lactose Ugh. aged on Ecuadorian cacao, which to many Americans is Tex is uh, Mexico, uh, Madagascar <laughs> vanilla and toasted coconut. Mm. Oh, and it's fifteen percent alcohol. Nate, suck that. Fifteen, yeah, baby, fifteen point one. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Who makes it? Nightmare. Oh, that does sound like a fucking nightmare. horse jokes. Uh, so yeah, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm not going to remember the rest of the evening, but this is going to be great. <laughs> it's awfully early. <laughs> so he meets up with what's the fucking name? Rolling Rollins. Rollins. Lacey. Lacey. Lacey Rollins. That is a fucking stripper name if I have ever heard one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we have to get a couple of things. On the table before we go any further. Like, so Lacey Rollins will dance on the table. I love Lacey. <laughs> right amount of money. Like I love like Lacey is my favorite character in the book. I, I kind of think John Grady's a little bitch, um, and oh. and I know he's supposed to be like this romantic hero, and that's only if you've read the first one. If you read the full trilogy, you realize he's really not. Like he never changes. He's very static. Lacey is one of my favorite characters that Cormac McCarthy has ever created. Um, so we're going to have to go easy on Lacey. Just saying. I'm just saying, a per- I, I, the person named Lacey <laughs> often is easy. So <laughs> Fair enough. If we call him Rollins, will you feel better about that? I'm just going to, yeah, sure. Okay, right. I'm thinking Henry, Henry Rollins. Look how we do- uh, but- <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, I just think that name is absurd. That's a, cr- I mean, it, me and nothing. Cormac McCarthy anguishes over every syllable. Lacey is short for lace a lot, which is one yeah. of the knights. So, one of the less popular ones. Yeah, I had not heard that before. Up, but it could be true. I love no, I that. made it up right now. He makes oh, that yeah, shit the, up. Yeah. This is Jimmy making real. shit up. No, 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 no. That is, I am. I am going to argue that from now on. I love okay. that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Because he has such big shoes. All those laces. <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake. Uh-oh. Oh, it's just getting started. I love it. Even start I love it. I'm gonna need more liquor. I was gonna say, do you are you out of Jameson? No, yeah, I'm gonna need more liquor. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. So then they just they do the most lot. Well, first, then he goes to like watch his mom in a play or something. Well, yeah, that's what pisses him yeah. off, right? Like, so his mom is never really there. He's like in love with his dad because his dad's like this war hero and they play chess, and his mom's like never around. And then she takes like the one thing that he loves. And she's like, no, because I'm going to be this actress. And he's like, the fuck is an actress? Like, that's not what real people do. Like, we have these these people that have lived in our house forever, and we're supposed to take care of them. Responsibilities. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And so then now Lacey and John Grady just have to saddle up their horses and try to get themselves killed in a Mexican prison. So, right. uh, yeah, I don't know how that works. She's not only... At a distant mother, but she's also like not in the book. They like don't have a conversation. It's really just kind of like, oh, and then he went to talk to his mother, and his mother said, no, you can't have the ranch. But it's not like they actually talk. It's like she's very just distant yes. and not there. Yeah, McCarthy. Well, that's part of uh, 
Yeah, I was probably going to say the same thing. Is uh, Car McCarthy writes about women about as much as anyone who wrote about women in the 1400s. He writes about women as like, much as he, he writes about dinosaurs. He doesn't have a lot of female characters in his book. No, no, he doesn't. And that's one of the um, scholars will usually take him to task on that and call it misogyny. And I've done, I, I, first of all, I think that's complete bullshit. Um, but what Cormac will tell, what McCarthy says is he finds women mysterious and he doesn't really understand them. So he's really careful. He would rather not write them than make them incorrect. But when he does make female characters, I think he makes them fairly strong when he finds a good one. The Duena is a great example of that. I know we haven't gotten that to, to that part in the plot yet. Uh, but the Duena is an amazingly strong female character that I think he does a fantastic job with. This might be the book with the most female characters that actually Two. have speaking parts. Yes, yeah, Sutri well, has Sutri probably has a few. Um, but I don't know, um, child of God, obviously, um, child of God is a, is a dark one. Well, I, <laughs> honestly, outside of all the pretty horses name one that isn't. <laughs> yeah. They're all pretty dark. This is the night. This is the night. This was refreshing. I, I, yeah, I think so was... too. Whenever I, whenever somebody says I haven't read McCarthy, where should I start? I always tell them either start. Child of God. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, the, uh, these, I, I've read all of his books, uh, Nate and Mike have not read all of them. Uh, do you guys know what Child of God is about? Did the guy fuck a dead body or something? It's the guy fucking a dead body, yeah. Yeah. I saw the I saw But the, the body is a lady, so that's a female so, character. Which, not a lot of dialogue from her, I imagine. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very one-sided. I can't imagine... I mean, how long is the book? <laughs> it's not very long. It's right okay. there. You can grab that makes it. sense. No, yeah, that makes sense very... that it's not very long. Not a lot of dialogue. <laughs> I, yeah, outside I mean, of it, outside it, of the Suchery, body can't last that long. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> outside of Suchery, they don't get. He doesn't write epic novels, right? Like they're they're usually to the point. He says what he has to say, and he moves along. Uh, except for the Orchard Keeper. The Orchard Keeper goes on for days in this weird Faulkner type. What the hell is going on right now? But Anyway. Yeah, I read it and I couldn't tell you what it was about. Well, I, I'll I tell you what. Schedule one for that. We'll come back and talk about it. I'll tell you all about it. That one's one of my favorites. Okay. Mm. So, okay, this book. So, John uh, is like, well, clearly there's nothing for me here on this ranch because it's just going to get sold, you know, like any day now. So, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to take a horse because he loves horses. And, he's, and he, he and his friend, who was also 16 or 17, they're just going to go, and they're going to ride south. They're going to ride to Mexico and find the real West, because you can't have in a the real south. West. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have a real West in like, the West anymore. That's like the fucking hipsterist thing ever. Like, no, the real West is south. <laughs> south is the new West. Uh, but would you, when you say they, they're going to they're gonna be riding on these horses a long time, they're going to have to like, camp out overnight, and they're going to have to have breakfast. What do you think they're going to have breakfast? Uh, oh man, I almost brought a beer for that. Because <laughs> I think that it didn't. It didn't say it. I, I'm going with I'm an Irish sure. coffee. I don't know about y'all, but that's well, what I'm I having for breakfast. They're gonna have uh, French toast by campfire. I think we wow. go. I think we pair wonderfully together. Cheers. Yeah. Slancha. <laughs> uh, this is uh, written in cursive and in, in white, so I can't read it. What the fuck? I think it's a stout. Timber ales. How strong? Oh, that's. I can't read it. If they make beer in a little can like that these days, it is a fucking. The percentage is probably in English. Ooh. (laughs) Lordy lordy. 
It's it's good. I like it. Does that say 12%? I'm going to turn on the light. 12, 12% Brewing Company distributes timber ales. That's confusing. I'm going to look it up on the internet because I can't look at the side of the can after I open it up. Because uh, that's <laughs> not how physics it. works. Uh, it feels strong. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. No, that's the wrong number. 6%. Fuck. I'm weak. Never mind. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Missed the I mark. I saw the 12. I was like, yeah, 12%. I was like, no, that's 12 ounces. <laughs> but it does taste um, vaguely a French toast and campfire. It burns a little, but it's nice. And I'm sure that they eat that constantly on the road because they just have saddlebags full of wet eggs that they dip the bread into as they go. Yeah. Eggs and milk. That's exactly <laughs> what they bring with them. The sun keeps it constantly boiling so they can keep making French toast. Yeah, they're, they're saddlebags. The they're, they're doing like a French toast sous vide in their bags. Is what yes. That. Just, That's the best way to do it. Keeps it nice and wet. I like French, French toast sous vide is the best band name. Uh, so <laughs> they also are just chain smoking relentlessly because it was, was the good old days of America. Well, they're going to be dead by 35. Yeah, except oh, for... Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, oh, yeah, you're right. No, that's right. I'm thinking of Billy Parham uh, in the trilogy. Sorry. He doesn't smoke at all. And Cormac... Ma- McCarthy makes a really big deal about the fact that Billy doesn't smoke ever. Because everybody else does. Because <laughs> everybody else does. It's probably a life expectancy joke or irony. Because he does live longer <laughs> than almost any of... The male characters that McCarthy's ever created, ever. Hmm. Except the judge who lives. The judge will never die. (laughs) (laughs) That man is. That book gave me nightmares. He's talking about Blood Meridian right now. That book gave me nightmares. That is. That's when I realized that Cormac McCarthy never met a baby he didn't want to put over a fire. And, like, I don't even know how you write stuff like that on a regular basis, but he absolutely does, which makes me fall. Fa- barbecue restaurants. It's terrible. Like, it's awful. <laughs> like, there's a baby. Where is it? Probably on a spit. And I'm like, are we serious right now? Well, but the he road has a good amount of babies on a spit, too, yeah. But the judge looks like a baby. So he pick his greatest mm. nightmare is a seven foot tall baby. And He's the forever baby. <laughs> yeah. He's got like whatever that disease is from Jack with Robin Williams where you don't age, like progeria. I was gonna say quadrophenia, but that's a who album. That's different. Yeah. Because <laughs> he ages four times as fast. That's quadra quadrophenia. <laughs> so they wander into Mexico aim looking for shit to do. And which does happen a lot. That does, yeah, that's what you do. And then they meet a guy whose name sounds like an old-timey sound effect, Blevins. And he is, like, younger than them. They're like, well, this is a child. <laughs> yeah, he's, and what, 14? He that he claims to be, you know, so who knows? And this kid has a really nice horse because, you know, they, they could recognize that in these days. They hadn't discovered internet porn yet. So they're like, oh, man, I just know a shitload about horses. <laughs> and... uh and he's like, you sure Rollins. Nice <laughs> Lacey's like, fuck this kid. This guy sucks. I hate his guts. Almost irrationally so. And uh, John Grady Cole is uh, like, oh, no, no, no. He just, he's just like laconic. He's just like, whatever. They just think that's how all the characters always talk in Cormac McCarthy books. They just say 78% of what they need to say to have a human conversation. <laughs> And they just kind of stop. And it's like, yep, summer and horses coming here. 
Mm. He lit a cigarette, and that just goes on like that for pages at a time. <laughs> so then there's this like weird threes company thing happening, but it's six company because they have horses. And then uh, they're wandering around, and this is this is going on at length. I don't really really know what the point was, except eventually, through a fucking ridiculous scenario, the kid, the Blevins, loses his horse and all of his clothes. Oh, because he's afraid of lightning. All of his family has died from like lightning strikes, and so when the storm comes, he's like, he's "Holy shit, I'm gonna yeah. die!" And he like takes off and gets naked because he's worried that like the shit on his clothes is gonna like attract the lightning, so he runs off he's, like a fucking child. Oh wait, but they're like, they're like, a child. you're not gonna outrun a fucking thunderstorm, dude. He's like, "I gotta try. <laughs> I have, I have to try." I think you just and summed it, up Blevins' whole character arc, but I have to try, right? And Rollins is like, "Let him cook. I fucking hate that kid. I hope he dies." <laughs> <laughs> so this book is a western, and it's really like Corm- Cormac Southern. McCarthy trying to make, trying to like not just do a western because that's like kind of all his books, but he's you know trying to make western a western into art. Well, it just so happened that in college I had to read. The Virginian by Owen Wister, which is came out in like 1901 and is kind of like the first Western novel. It didn't completely invent like the myth of the West. Came out in 1901 and is dedicated to his friend Teddy Roosevelt and it takes place in the 1880s. But like there's definitely like a theme in the book, if I remember, is like the West is for strong men and the men that are just too weak just won't survive. They just won't make it. And this is I this is exactly what I thought about when I read this scene about Blevins because it's like, well, Rollins and Grady, they're John Grady. They're like so tough, like men, even though they're children. But this kid, he's a dumbass. And he's like, no, I, you know, the lightning. Oh no. And then he like climbs a tree. No, he gets under a tree. He takes off all his clothes because it might be metal in metal, like snaps in the honest. Anyway, just takes off all his clothes. Let's the horse just run away. That's going to be a problem later. And then uh, it lets all his stuff get washed away in the rainstorm. And it's just like, he's just too weak. He's just not going to make it. Well, I think Blevins is kind of, he's kind of a hyper John Grady, right? So you have John Grady, who mm-hmm. is this idealist who lives by this code. And it really doesn't matter if the code makes sense, right? It just doesn't matter. He's going to do what he thinks is the right thing, even if it's completely fucking ridiculous. Uh, And Blevins is kind of that to the nth degree, right? Because he's so young and he doesn't understand that these things need a, a, a modicum of mediation, right? Like there has to be some type of, what does Lacey say? Lacey says, I know... Uh, there's always a decision before things go wrong. And I always knew when I made it, right? Like there's this point where we decide something and you can never go back from there. Yeah. And once we do that, and, and he tells him when he talks about Blevins and going to get the horse, he says, this is that moment. Like if we do that, there's no coming back from this. And John Grady says, well, I just have to. And he goes, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> So just let's go. And and I think that's what that's kind of like the crux of the book is John Grady saying, I have to do these things 
and it doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense and all these people are telling me it doesn't make any sense. I think it, it's just, I, I think what McCarthy is trying, what he always does is when man tries to overcome nature or when man tries to exert his hubris over the things that are going on, these are the bad things that happen. So you have Mexico who McCarthy is kind of romanticized as this unchartered frontier and they go into Mexico to kind of like regain this sense of what John Grady feels like he's lost with the with the loss of his ranch. And you can't like you can't do that. Like you can't move into a place that you don't know and expect people to do things according to your own will just because you think that's the way it should be. And I think that Blevins is kind of if you miss that with John Grady, McCarthy's going to make sure you don't miss it when Blevins does it because Blevins is such a, he's so far into that kind of idea that he's going to make sure that you understand that this is a thing where when you think that your own ideas trump everything else, bad shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, bad he, shit. he lacks all basic competencies besides being real good at shooting things. <laughs> he's real good at shooting things. And, yeah. and stealing horses. And stealing horses. Because clearly that horse, or at least it's heavily implied that that horse he's riding, like, that can't be his horse. A kid that dumb can't have a horse that nice. It just, <laughs> it, it, it just can't happen. So it must have been stolen the first time. But then the, the big thing is that in the lightning storm, he, he, his, all of his stuff gets washed away and his horse runs off. And then they eventually, after a day or so, two days, uh, after a little bit of time, they find his horse. Somebody else has got it. And then Blevins is like, well, I, I have to steal it back. It's can, can, my can horse. Can over when the team of Mexicans offer to buy him? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, what, what is happening right now? And they're like, how much for the, you know, the kid? <laughs> <laughs> and Rollins like, well, let's hear him out. Uh. <laughs> McCarthy is the author that more than any other author, will teach you the word catamite and then use it over and over again and make you sorry you ever learned that word. Well, isn't catamite what uh, Australians put on toast? Isn't yes. That that? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I did learn that word from him. And the only other time you'll see it is in a fucking book about ancient Rome. <laughs> or or um, actually, um, uh, the first sentence of Earthly Powers by William Golding has the word catamite in it. There you go. Weird, weird trivia, I know. Uh, but yeah, so the the team team of Mexicans are like, let's buy that kid, and don't worry what happens. And and Green's like, mm, maybe uh, the exchange rate isn't really great to do it right now. So they they don't <laughs> sell him. They 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 keep him out of boy sex slavery. And they might have been. That was so nice of them. <laughs> Roland, that was when Rollins really was pissed. He's like, this was the decision that we can't go back from. <laughs> no turning back. I could have gotten two packs of cigarettes for that kid's sweet ass. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the mark. <laughs> Jesus, fuck Cole. This was my chance. So, in the middle of the night, uh, Blevins and John and Rollins, they go, and they're going to, like, try and steal this horse back. Uh and they do, and then finally, it's about 100 pages in, and there's actually some action. It's, it's amazing. First time. And then after this part, there's actually a lot of stuff that happens. But up until here, it's kind of like about 100 pages, and it's the first time something exciting happens. 
So I should. It was like an entirely different book. Pages. You kind of needed it, but a little bit, yeah. Uh, so they like there's this wild chase through the night where uh, uh, Blevins goes one way, and then Rollins and John go a different way, and they're like riding off in a different direction. They're like, we're just trying to escape because Blevins says, no, 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 I'll try and lead them up this way. They're 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 after me, and so they do. Uh, and they kind of like hide through the night, and then they like have no food, and they like kill a deer, and but um. And they don't see Blevins again. Like, they think they go a couple of days and they manage, they, they think, to leave the trail. Or they, they, you know, the people trying to follow them are probably not following them any, anymore. And so they're like, oh, well, fuck him. He's gone now. Great. If only that was true. But anyway, they, they, they and then so you get to the second part of the novel where they get to a ranch. Where they get to a ranch in Mexico where John Grady can finally find all his pretty horses and he like shows that he can do all this amazing horse things, you who, know, who like run, who runs that ranch? Nathan, who, who, who runs the ranch? He's, oh, like, a, he's who, like a, he's like a fancy guy. He's a Don. Oh, you mean Don Hector. Name, first, I thought you were going to say Dwayne Alfonso. No, no, no. Uh, they, they, the the guy who what, owns that's, that's the Fon- that's the Fonza's full name is Dwayne Alfonso. <laughs> Alfonso Rocha, like that's who I thought you were going to say run the ranch. Well, uh, well, who runs the ranch uh, business wise? I guess yes. would be it's, he's a, it's he's Don Hector. Rich guy. I'm, I'm just rich throwing guy. in the chick. I'm just throwing in the chick vote. <laughs> no, there's definitely an argument to be made there, but he is he is a fancy rich guy. And, you know, I think sometimes people might even call him a, a rhinestone rancher. <laughs> <laughs> he is very fancy. This Can I is just say I love you guys? And ales. <laughs> this, this is, a, is, what the fuck is Nate's, Nate's tired of it after five years, but, you know, it's good for him to be reminded that it's endearing what we do. People like stupid shit. I learned, he's also, is he, isn't he like the... The Haciendado. There's like too much. Like, I never took Spanish. Haciendado. He's the Haciendado. I was like, I guess which is Spanish for guy. Hacienda Daddy. <laughs> oh, the Hacienda Daddy. Of course. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Is a this is a, like a sour apple sour ale? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Must be. <laughs> it tastes like fucking apples. Lord, it tastes like um sour apple candy, which is something you don't want to drink a lot of. Can feel my diabetes. Growing. I don't think anyone wants to drink candy. Oh no, That's... we absolutely did in our twenties. You guys didn't Zimas do with that. Jolly oh yeah, <laughs> y'all didn't do that. Mm. Ooh, uh, it's interesting. This is not beer, um, but they, it, it, I don't like apple juice. It always kind of reminded me of pee. Not the flavor. I don't know what apple juice tastes like. Um, but yeah, it does. It's look fine. Familiar. It's not quite, uh, ooh, what if I combined it with the French toast? No, I'll do that later. That is the anyway. love that dare not speak its name. Um, <laughs> so the Haciendaddy. Yes. Haciendaddy. That is a... That's Spanish. I, I took Spanish uh, a little bit, so I know that much of it. Yeah, there was a lot of Spanish in this book, and it just assumed you also speak Spanish. He does that in a lot of books uh, of his, and he's like, well, uh, fucking learn it. He's care. like a dick that just came back from a semester abroad. He's just like, yeah, because here's the real truth. That. A lot of his Spanish isn't quite right. Is well, right? he's from no. Connecticut, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. 
No. Isn't he? No. He's, I think well, he's from I, Texas. Tennessee. He's from Tennessee. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, they did move. Like, when they were young, when he was young, his dad was an attorney for the TVA. So, like, they did move to Tennessee when he was super, super young. And then he got real pissed off with his dad. It's where the Orchard Keeper comes from because of the way his dad was, like, the TVA guy. And then he moved McCarthy was born in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, but he moved at yes. age four yes. to Tennessee. Which also the is... Connecticut of New which England. Which is also not Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot closer than Tennessee is, though. <laughs> but that's where he grew up. I mean, Tennessee is where he grew up. Yes. But he also probably didn't learn Spanish real good. Probably not. I don't know if Knoxville, Tennessee is known for its Spanish speakers. No. No. No, you just have if to... If you took Spanish uh, for a little bit, it's usually good enough to get the gist of what they're talking about. Yeah, and that's I think that's kind of what McCarthy you know. did, right? Like his, like his Spanish, like you get it. It's only if you're a, a fluent speaker where you're looking at it going, well, that's not quite right. If not, then GGIB. Yeah, Google it, bitch. You're fine. <laughs> they didn't have they Google do. when he wrote this. Yeah, so translate will like, work, Fuck though. it. I'll, I'll wing it. It's I'll close enough. It. It's close <laughs> enough. But they do enough of, like, the Chewbacca or Lassie stuff where somebody says Spanish, and they're like, what? You mean there's a horse? And you're oh, thanks. Thanks, dumb character, for helping me out right now. <laughs> He didn't completely leave you hanging on it. Yeah, I just figured if it really mattered, I'll figure it out later. There will be some piece to put it together. <laughs> but, it, but it definitely felt like someone was like, oh, I've just been, you know, I was in, uh, I was in, uh, fuck, where would he be, where would he be that he could say, I was in Barcelona for the last six months. I'm so used to thinking in Spanish. I just, I forget. <laughs> I forget not everyone does. <laughs> like that kind of shit. Like yes. that's what it felt like. Yes. All this food is so big. Can't I just have a tapas? <laughs> I, I would just like un tapas. Um, Indeed. Porro. Tequila. That's what we should be drinking. Yeah. I was actually at, I was at, um, just yesterday. We went out for drinks for, at work for Christmas. And it was at a Mexican place. And this coworker of mine, who's Chinese-American, she just, like, starts busting out Spanish on the waiter guy. And she's like, me amor, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, holy shit, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. She's like, oh, you know, un poquito. And then she was like, but I switched back to English because I couldn't remember the word for tequila. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. It's just tequila. (laughs) (laughs) That's their word. (laughs) It's like, so... Nice try, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there uh, he gets to the hacienda and he's having a great time because he can finally well, he's play with his horses. He is the horse all whisperer. his little horses. Pretty. And so he, um, uh, uh, so he gets there and he's like, "Yeah, I'm pretty good with horses." And they're like, "Oh, okay. How about all these wild horses?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll take a look." And then he's like, "You know what? I can probably like train those horses and break those horses." And he's like, "Yeah, sure." Because he's got that animal instinct, or because he's a a man of the wild. Because he sure. saw the horse whisperer with Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. like, I could do that. You just whisper shit to them, they've become your friend. That's science. That's animal science. You say, yaw, a lot around them, and they just get in line. <laughs> and they, they have like a marathon, 36-hour horse fest, which is not Mr. Hands, and then they <laughs> turn, they raise every horse. Every horse is, is beaten. They've they've conquered the entire tribe of horses or whatever group of horses is called. <laughs> it's a gaggle, a gaggle of horses, a the murder of, of horses. horses. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what a glue factory is. Um, 
And he, uh, anyway, so he does all of this in like a day, like a day and a half. And he's just like, oh, look, I am the master of these horses. And like, that's pretty good. And then he sees the girl riding a beautiful Spanish horse. He's immediately like, wow, what's her name? And so then that's, that's Alejandra, who says almost nothing, especially at first, like pretty much says almost nothing in the book, but you know, and he's very interested in her and she has blue eyes, which I guess means she's partially it means white. She's, it means or she's that... mostly of European descent and not a, uh, what, uh, current Mexicans would say only racist words for. Uh, which is people who are more of mixed descent. But it is a thing in Mexico, especially, where people that are more clearly just of Spanish descent are of a higher class and stature than the the mixed breeds, as they would say. And the lowest, the Indians. Well, I'm glad to see we didn't just invent that shit. Fucking <laughs> 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 yeah, Mexicans both. taking our racism, too? <laughs> and our jobs? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty to go around But yeah, he's like, I need to go to Mexico where I can be free and find a nice white girl <laughs> That's his hero's journey He's like, I need to have an impossible quest <laughs> Does go to the underworld, yeah Hero's journey, totally That is the south of the earth Where's the so, underworld, Nate? South It's south, <laughs> The underworld, yes it's all the way exactly. south I meant he's going to prison. That's that's but, right. uh, you know. That's when everything goes south for him. That's different. <laughs> so many metaphors. Meets Alejandra and he's like, Oh, aren't you so amazing? She's and really hot he, and rides horses. It's just his thing. The the only two things he cares about. <laughs> it's second uh, only to banging a centaur. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that mean something different today in today's internet culture? What? <laughs> That was the most random shit. Like, if I have not just been, like, in... If I had not just been with my family doing, like, a Harry Potter marathon, that would have been random. But now that he said it, I was like, oh. Yeah. That's just, a very interesting... I just watched the new Percy Jackson. <laughs> Bangin- we actually just read Percy Jackson, Bangin like, last centaurs. week. Just, like, last week, so... Who knew? Someone has got to do it, you know. I, I guess other centaurs, usually. C- centaurs need love, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's an 80s song, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that sticks. Yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, they uh, are immediately very interested in each other and start banging, like, almost <laughs> right away. Like, there's really they're very, little, very little romance, uh, and they get right to it. But she's, of course, still a teenager, even though she might be 18 instead of 16. But she's still a teenager, and they have to be secret about it. She also because like, she's rich. But yes, she's she's the da- she's like the only daughter of this like rich family, and she's a you know most eligible you know female like in the in the hacienda. And she sneaks out to the barn like in the middle of the night so they could fuck like every night for a week. But then she has to go back to Mexico city because she's there in boarding school. And so he's like, Oh, what? And like, Oh, what are we going to do? He's like, I don't know. And then she, then she has to leave. She goes back to Mexico. And then immediately like next day, next morning, practically he wakes up and there's somebody with a gun pointing it right at him. It's like, get up. 
and it's the police. It's the Mexican law enforcement. I forget what they were called. I I think it's revealed later that we're not really sure if they were actual cops or not. They were something vaguely legal, but maybe borderline. Yeah. So John and Rollins, they get arrested. Are, are, Are we breezing past like the pool game and the chess game? Oh right! Did no, they no, do we that frequently miss things now? and go oh, back? Yeah. Because oh we yeah, forget. we we absolutely do that. Yeah, you, you just know? breeze because like those are pivotal moments in the book, right? Yeah, yeah, we 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 breeze through thing, important things constantly and be like, oh right, we forgot. Yeah, because like the pool game. So <laughs> please tell us. So first, he has the pool game with Don Hector, and Don Hector takes him into this room, and it you it, it's the sanctuary. It was like the chapel in the house. And he was supposed to have it, have the priest come in and like unbless it and deconsecrate it. And he was like, Alfonso knows about these things, but I don't know why we have to do that. And John Grady like never gets a shot. Don Hector runs the table on John Grady while he's telling him that, yes, he should let Alejandra go off to school. And this is a different country and, and, and Mexico is not America, and you can't do the things here that you did there. And it's an it's an idea about French thinking, and French thinking messes things up. And you have to live in the country that you're in. And shortly thereafter, um, Alfonso invites him to play chess, and the chess well, game. Before is, we get to the chess match, can I ask? Yes. Is it a metaphor that he goes to the the pool hall in the chapel? And he doesn't get a shot in, but he does desecrate his other chapel with his exactly. Balls. I I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. I think that I think that if we're talking about if you if you take the chapel and you make that like a metaphor for Alejandra, I think it's a great I think it's a great analogy. I think it's a great got thing a lot to, of shots in a lot of shots, <laughs> and and I think that's one of the things that are missed too because you're absolutely right because like. Like Nate was talking about how she goes there every night. And, and as a woman, you know what your cycle is, right? And so going there all the time for like nine nights, the chance of pregnancy is ridiculous at that point, right? Because women, we only get like four days of sanity. That's all we get. <laughs> like, our, like our cycle makes us like fucking crazy. Is that a, is that a lifetime number? It, no, no. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But it's definitively in the cycle, right? So what she does is very dangerous, mostly because in 1949, haciendas like that, big ranches like that, are almost non-existent uh, because of the war that's going on there and the way that the government has kind of pulled those things apart. It is an actual historical ranch. It did actually exist, which made it very rare, which makes Don Hector's protectiveness of it even more understandable, right? So yes, I think that when he talks about the chapel and the consecration, I think he's definitively trying to tell John Grady there are some things in Mexico that are sacred and you don't get you don't get to defile those things and John Grady never has a shot, right? Ever, cuz Don Hector's going to make sure of that. At least he thinks he's going to. But he really can't Because in 1949 Mexico, there's only two ways, really, that honor is protected. And one of those is through legislative means, public means. And that's not really available to elite women like Alejandra. You can't take him to court. So uh, working class women in Mexico during that time, what happened 
was if they had a man they wanted to marry and their families were like, no, you're not marrying him, they would just have sex. And then the woman would sue the man for defaming her honor, right, taking her virginity. And then the court would go, oh, well, the only way to fix it is to marry him. And she was like, oh, no, not marry him. And then they would get married. If I have to. Oh, my God. Like, oh, woe is me. And that's what they would do. For elite women, especially for somebody like Don Hector, who was trying to protect this hacienda, that's not available. To uh, He can't do that. And he can't do a duel, which was the private way to do that, because then you call Alejandra's virginity into question, which he also cannot do because he needs her marriageable. So he can't do anything. So that's when Alfonso calls him in for the chess match, which is also very interesting because women didn't play chess in 1949. Pool halls and chess parlors were a male-dominated field. Women didn't go there. So the fact that Alfonso could even play chess was very interesting. And that she loses the first two games, it's also very interesting. The chess board is beautiful because it's made of, like, elk and elephant, which is like the five-bid game in Africa. So her power is primal. And she tries to tell John Grady, you can't do these things. Like, this is not, it's okay for men. Women cannot regain their honor. That's what she tells him. Like, this is not ever going to work. And now let me beat you with this King's Own opening and put you to bed and send you on your way. So those two games are very important because that's when John Grady gets all the information he's ever needed, and McCarthy is telling us this is a different place. Like, John Grady has entered into a place where his idealism doesn't work. As opposed to Texas, where there are no laws. Right. Well, at, at the very... Uh, in, in, in a way... Yeah, you're a, absolutely make, right. It's a do-what-you-want land of America. It was like, there's fucking rules here, kid. Correct. Yeah, because we saw that with his mom, right? His mom was like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to sell it because I want to go be an actress. And then the little girl John Grady was dating was like, I'm not dating you anymore because I want to date this other guy because he has a car. So it's completely different here than it is there and John Grady had all the information, and they made sure that he had it, and he just didn't care. Because what did John Grady say? He said, it, this isn't fair. And Duena says, it's not about fair. In these matters, I get to say. I get to say what happens. Well, it is, it is interesting to contrast with the uh, Texas idea that he comes from is you could make whatever destiny you want if you're, like, going to go bust your ass and do it, as opposed to what he finds there. The Hacienda is, there's no choice for you, basically. Right? So Alejandra's destiny is set for her, as much as she might have some rolls in the hay in the barn. And uh, But here's my, here's my question about this kind of thing in a book. I don't fucking know all this about Mexico. <laughs> Am I supposed to? Like is, like, is that Cormac McCarthy's, like, I expect you to know a cultural history of Mexico through the 1950s to read my book. Yeah, I really think he, he does. Kind of a, I really think kind of he does. Kind of a literature snob writer. Yeah, That's no, he point. really was. And and because like when McCarthy associated with people, he rarely associated with other authors. He rarely associated with other writers. Um, when he moved uh, 
to New Mexico, it was mostly scientists and astronomers and those kind of folks that he associated with. And so, yeah, he he's not a writer who's who's going to give that background to you. Like he expects you to know, or if not know, he expects you to go, this is fucking weird, and then go look yeah. for it. Because he's not, yeah, I don't think he ever kind of serves it up for you. He he's a hard guy to read, for sure. He ain't never gonna never gonna hold your hand. Ever. Either. He's not even gonna give you quotation marks. Like you just like when yeah, you read him, just... like his punctuation, he's like, fuck you, punctuation. I do what I wanna <laughs> do, right? Like he's never gonna give that to you. Yeah, I said it before on episodes we've done for him. I think that's a fucking dick move. I think it's obnoxious. <laughs> he's like, I am above quotation marks. Mechanics do not apply to me. Which physicists will tell you you can't disobey the laws of fucking mechanics. Well, and I guess I guess when you're the kind of writer who gives two shits about money and you're just going to write what you're going to write. Because he lived in almost complete poverty for most of his life, right? Um, his, I think his first wife left him. She goes, we lived in a barn. <laughs> she goes, we never had money. So well, the first, I think his first two marriages uh, were before he made any money. And I think it's interesting. You said earlier, the guy never writes about women because he doesn't understand him. He got divorced three times. So you know, <laughs> he clearly didn't know much about women. No. <laughs> he made much effort to. <laughs> no, he didn't really try. And he's just like, I have to, I have to create, honey. Please. I need to think about Mexico in 1949. <laughs> You handle those diapers. Makes me think of the <laughs> book that we're talking about doing of the, like the, can you put it together or oh, whatever. Kane's like jawbone. Yeah, where there's no punctuation. There's yeah. no oh. anything. <laughs> a, f- a friend of mine gave that to me. It's like an unsolvable riddle. Yeah, yes. we have it. it. Our book club's going to, we keep saying we're going to tackle it and nobody's really gotten the cojones up to do it because we, we has, got it. It's never been solved, right? No, no, it never? has. It has. Okay. Once or twice, I think. Um, so Google it and then call it a night. No, nope. that's cheating. <laughs> that was okay. that was part of the rules. That's if, part if of the we rules. we were going to participate, no, no Googling anything. <laughs> Can I ask Jeeves? No. <laughs> and that you thing. know that means we're the same age, and I love that about you. <laughs> that's how we learned things in the olden times. Am I pregnant, Jeeves? Um, <laughs> so we recently read a, a bunch of the books that were nominated for the Booker Prize. We actually read almost all of them. And there were a number of them that didn't use quotation marks, like Cormac McCarthy. So fuck him. He's, it's spreading. <laughs> the disease is spreading. <laughs> And one of them was, like, the one that won a prophet song, where it's like, okay, at least McCarthy will have, like, will start a new paragraph when a new person is speaking and will still go like he said. However, this other book, Prophet Song, doesn't even do that. People have conversations mid-paragraph, two different people speaking. There's no quotation marks. It's just, like, you just have to follow along and be like, oh, that's somebody speaking now. Oh, that's another person speaking now. Don't get sidetracked. It was impossible <laughs> to skim was my criticism. <laughs> okay, so back to all the pretty horses. So he gets arrested. Yeah, my apologies. So he, he, I just, I couldn't... He talks to... Couldn't let no, us give it. Those were, let those us were very important, important parts. You're right, you're right. So he has the chess game, the pool game, and the chess game, and he still fucks Alejandra because well, he's going to do what corner, he wants. Corner pocket. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sunk that eight. 
Oh, I don't know. It's probably five and a half, but you know, whatever. <laughs> you know. Don't be, it's don't a, it, be a it's hater. About girth. Ocean and ocean. <laughs> you never know who's going to get one. Uh, so, um, you so he gets arrested. He and Rollins get arrested, and then they immediately get taken to this jail. I can't remember if they have the uh, the the like uh, interrogation first. No, they they go to the jail and they see that oh, their their old friends that dumbass Blevins is there. And Blevins has clearly gotten arrested and t- basically said, oh, yeah, those other two guys, you need to look for them, too. And then, and that's why all three of them are there. And there's this, like, interrogation scene. And John Grady, he's still, because he's that, like, Western guy with the code of honor, he's just, I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm just going to tell, I'm not even going to explain myself to make myself look better. I'm just going to tell it like it is, just like it happened. And so they... All are just like, okay, now you're going to jail. Have fun, guys. And then they can't they won't even like help themselves. And so then they're in this Mexican jail, which well, all before they, seem they get to, to jail, do is some other shit happens. Yeah, yeah, on the way to the jail. The, they're in the truck and brought to jail. And then they take Blevins out of the car on the way to the jail and they just shoot him in the head in the woods and then keep driving. Except for when they're pulling when when they're dragging Blevins off. It's it is heartbreaking, right? Because Blevins is he's like a little kid. Yeah, he's a he's a child, right? And Blevins knows there's nothing he can do. There's nothing John Grady can do. There's nothing Lacey can do. So he pulls off his boot and he throws them like the last bit of money he has, which becomes very important in the Mexican jail. But that's like Blevins' sacrifice. Because the truth is, I don't think Blevins ratted them out. I really don't. And I think that because of of the scene when Lacey and um, John Grady are on the mountain and they're by the fire and they hear the dogs and they're like, oh, God, is Hector coming for us because he knows about you and Alejandra? And then it just goes away. Like, I think Hector knows about them. He knows there's a story about this kid who stole this horse and there was two other white guys with him. And he just, and I think Hector tells the police, hey, I got these two white guys on my ranch. I think that's them. I don't think Blevins ever ratted them out. I I really don't. um, I really don't. I I mean, later on, he's talking to Alejandra when they're, when they meet back up again, she's like, you know, I told my dad what happened. It's like, and he called the cops on us. It's like, she's like, yeah, he he did. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't think Blevins, I don't think Blevins ratted him out. Yeah. I mean, they knew there were three, three white guys who did it and then, or who were nearby and who, who the, there's no one else. Right. And they just happened up on the ranch. So it must be these people must be these guys. And even if it's not Don Hector needs a way to regain his daughter's honor. And this is the best way to do it. So even if it isn't them, we're going to make it them. But it just so Plus, happened Levins has, that it was. Levins has that tattoo across his neck that says snitches get stitches. <laughs> he would not <laughs> betray that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But that that scene for me was one of the hardest ones in the book because you see John Grady wanting to do something and even Lacey as 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 a as strong as he's been against Blevins in the whole book even when this thing happens Lacey's like oh my god like how are they just going to drag him out in the woods and kill him 
And then that's exactly what they do. But before they do, Blevins is like, here, take this money. Like, it's, it's, it's the best I can do for you. I can't do anything else. So they, uh, uh, so then now they're just in Mexican jail, which all they seem to do is just knife fights all day. <laughs> they just that, that that's all they do. And they uh, one guy, don't remember his name, is like, "Hey, Perez, I can help you out, but it's gonna cost you some money. I'll be your protector." And they're like, "Well, we don't have any money, so sorry." Or more, it, it's actually not just that. It's John's being like, "I'm a man, I'm strong," and so he gets into a fight i forget how and he stabs a guy and kills him but the guy stabs the fuck out of him too so well yeah because the guy was the guy had been hired the guy had been hired to kill john grady and john grady had used the last money that blevins had given him to buy the knife always be prepared (laughs) always be yeah shank a shank in prison is something you always need don't ask me how i know that's worth a merit badge So he spends some time in the infirmary, and he like st- uh, uh, after he kills the guy, but he has also been stabbed. And but then eventually, uh, well, he's not completely healed or anything. But then the guard, the captain comes, or some some dude says like, "Oh, hey, you're free. Get the fuck out right now. Get out of here." And it's like, "What just happened?" Turns out, good behavior. Alejandra's aunt. Time off for good behavior, definitely. <laughs> we were trying to get rid of that guy. You know, you did us a favor. No, that's he kept not pooping in the sink. Real <laughs> <little> dick. <laughs> Alejandro's aunt bailed them out. Literally paid off the authorities to like get them both out, to get John and Rollins out of prison. Blevins is dead already, so doesn't doesn't help him. But they get him out of prison. Uh, and they like, you know, get their stitches taken out and uh, manage to get back to the hacienda after a while. And well, um, Rollins doesn't. Rollins like, I'm going. Oh yeah, I'm going. I home. fucking hate this place. <laughs> Fuck Mexico. Rollins is like, where's the nearest oil field? Like, I always thought that was the better idea. I'm going the fuck home. <laughs> I just spent weeks getting drilled. I think I'll do it myself now. Jimmy, that's an interesting thing you just said. Because you, d- there is some it's, debate. It's all, it's all, it's all dick stuff. Yeah, well, no, I, I love a great dick joke. <laughs> but there is some debate when they first bring the guys into, in for questioning and they take Lacey first. And then Lacey comes back and he doesn't want to tell John Grady about all the things that happened to him. There is a very small sector of scholarship that suggests that they they that Lacey was raped while he was in prison. I don't see it. I mean, I, it could definitely be the case, but there's no real like aha. This is what they. It, it, it could really go either way, but it's probably speculation. I, I would best. agree. I would agree. But since you made the joke, I thought we would. Oh yeah, <laughs> gonna make the joke, of course. <laughs> I, I I thought that I would ask what you thought about that because I yeah, I agree. I didn't necessarily see it either. Um, I don't know that I would argue against it because McCarthy is known for his very dark. He's not against uh, correct, you know, correct that happening since he uses the phrase catamite so often. Yeah, but Lacey wasn't dead, so maybe Lacey wasn't good fuck material. Uh, this is a topic to be explored in a, a PhD dissertation of like Los Oz, the unspoken butt sex in Cormac McCarthy's prison scenes, and uh, you know that would be. We've all seen prison movies. I've seen, you know, 
I don't know what Oz is in Spanish, but I think it's Los Oz. Oz. Oh, Oz. Los <laughs> 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 <It's> Oz. <laughs> but yeah, you could definitely write a paper on on that. And no one will you just like it doesn't say it doesn't say it didn't happen. You don't have evidence <laughs> to dispute it. <laughs> that's it. That's that's Jimmy's go to line. It doesn't say it didn't happen in the book. So there you go. But what else would he be not saying? Oh, I don't want to tell you about the tickles. Like what did he not like what is the thing he's protecting them from? Yeah. <laughs> they they said such mean things. Like what I don't know. Maybe it's just not the focus of. No, I don't know. I think I think that McCarthy is as subtle as he is about some things. I think that if we were supposed to have understood that Lacey was raped, I really think that he would have given us just a tinky, tinky bit more to make That's it a more terrible. Definitive. T- oh my god, that was a. T- <laughs> Just the tip. Yeah, just the tip. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's awful. That's terrible. But I really do. I really do think that McCarthy would have given us just something a little bit else other than Lacey coming back and saying, you don't know how terrible this is going to be. Because I always have to remember, like, I think Jimmy said it earlier in the show when we were talking about, we have to remember that they're children. It's so easy when we get these characterizations of Lacey and John Grady. They seem so much older than what they are. And in truth, we're talking about 16-year-old boys. And when you throw 16-year-old boys, I don't care how great they are at traveling the Mexican trail and breaking horses at this unbelievable rate and betting the Haciendo's daughter, (laughs) fine. But when you put 16-year-old boys in a Mexican prison, I I, I think you just still... And they just saw Blevins killed and, like, they're being beat up every day. Like, John Grady has to mash up Lacey's food so he can even eat. I just think... I think that rape was a jump that, that we don't necessarily need to make for it to be... Horrific, and I think that if that's what we were intended to understand, I think he would have made it a little more clear. So he would have, he would have forced it on us. Oh my! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he would have made it because if there's it one, been if more there's, blunt. <laughs> if there's one thing male on male prison rape is, it's subtle. So you know he wanted to <laughs> ease it into the story. <laughs> There is no lube for that. <laughs> Mike. Baby. Who I, hurt I'm you? Just, who hurt I'm you? Just making, I'm just making sure I got I heard you correctly. <laughs> I think you're projecting, but okay. <laughs> Look, when when we stop recording, if you need to talk about some shit, we're here for you. <laughs> we'll cut all that. Okay, bye. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, all right. So back to the story. Prison. Um, prison. We go. Yes. So they like get, but they get out of. Prison yeah, they're out of because, prison. They've been because, bailed out because Alejandra's aunt bails them out, or like not just bails them out. They're like sent. To, you can't just bailed out. They got like paid. They got the authorities got paid off. Like that's the only way that would happen. So anyway, so they're back. and she sent them a, a bunch of fucking money. So it was yeah, unofficial. And some money. Rollins leaves. He's not in the story at all anymore after this. I don't know if he's in the for, other books. He's for a minute. Guess, no, he's not. Minute, he's not. Oh, he's not? For a minute you never see him again? No, you never see Rollins again. Well, he goes to visit him when he goes back to Texas at the end. Oh, not in the trilogy, though. He's, 
No, in this book, he's like, hey, yeah, I brought yeah. your horse. Yeah, yeah. And he's in like, oh, book, cool. Yeah. I like oh, horse. Yeah. But he's basically not the story again. So he goes back to the hacienda, and then he meets with the aunt, and the aunt is like, listen, I failed you out because I felt bad for you, but you still can't fuck my niece. Um, uh, please don't. And she has this whole story about, you know, women in my family, they're all hot-blooded, and everyone has, you know, had all of these affairs. And uh, something about like the her sister who had two husbands. He was either at the same time or separately, but they were both dead in the revolution before they were twenty. Before she was twenty one, something one like that. died and then the other one died. I think it was two husbands at the same time. No, it wasn't the same time. It was a very it wasn't, very oh, okay. short it was period. Of time. Just very short. Yes. it was a rough time. You know, the, <laughs> one of one of the Mexican wars we didn't know existed. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and it's like, women always have this. And so, and I, too, had a thing, because she's missing two fingers on one of her hands from, like, a gun accident. Like, her, the gun she was shooting when she was a teenager, like, blew up in her hand. Um, and so she's also not a, like, you know, regular lady. She's not just a, like, proper, proper lady. Uh, and anyway, but she's like, I know women in my family. I know how that might feel. I know, she, I know my niece is probably just like this, too. That's why I need to keep you away from her because, she, I mean, I have never told that she says this whole long speech, which goes on for pages. 14 right? of them. I've, ne- I've never, yeah, many pages. It's four, I've never no, it's told 14 her, pages. <laughs> I never told her that, I, I never told her she needs to be proper and good. I never did that. I never told her just to be like the good, you know, what society expects of her, but... We live in Mexico, and there's only one thing you can really do, and so you have to stay away. And he's like, okay. He says something. I mean, he's on this long speech. He's like, I thought someone would understand, someone like you would understand me better. She's like, oh, no, I absolutely understand you. That's why you can't go near my niece. And then he, like, leaves, and he calls Alejandra up in Mexico City, and they're like, we're going to, I can, let's, let's meet. I just, and he, like, gets her away for one day. And he's like, well, mar-, and he fucks her a bunch more times. And then says, will you marry me? You they know. are 16, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, they, they can do it. <laughs> the, uh, so, uh, and it's like, will you marry me? And she's like, no. And she chooses not to stay with him. She's like, sorry, can't do it. Because of her aunt's wishes? No, yeah, no, no, question. not no. It's not because of her aunt's wishes. So, so Alejandra and Alfonso do make a deal, right? So the thing that gets real fucked up is it wasn't Blevins, right? So Alejandra, when her aunt tells her you have to stop this, or I'm going to tell your father, Alejandra goes, "Fuck you! I'm going to tell him first. And so Alejandra tells Don Hector that she's been sleeping with John Grady, and so that's what sets all this prison stuff into motion. And so now, when John Grady and Lacey are in jail, Alfonso goes to Alejandra and says, "I'll get them out." If I don't get them out, they will die. Let's just be really clear. He will die. I will get him out. But in order for me to do that, you have to agree that you are never going to see him again. And so she says, fine, that's what I'm going to do. And so then, so then Alfonso gets him out. 
But then when John Grady says, see me one more time, Alejandra does just to tell him. This is it. This is it. Like, okay. I'm not, like, I, I told my aunt. I'll fuck my your brains out was, and then I'm done. And then I'm done. Okay. And then I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. Because if, if we don't separate this, if we don't. There's going Al- to be further consequences. What Alejandra knows is either, either she doesn't. Or he's going to die. There yeah. is no future There's there. Going, yeah. There's no future there. This is so it. that's what so that's what happens because Alejandra tells John Grady, You are a great disappointment to my nephew. You are a great expense to me. Right? Because Don Hector's all pissed off because this thing between him and his daughter could make his hacienda at risk. But Alejandra spends her money to make that shit work because she loves her niece and she just wants her niece to do the right thing. And if she's got to like spend money to make her niece not do this thing anymore, that's what she's going to do. So that's how that kind of thing works out. So when John Grady calls her and says, hey, she knows that if she doesn't tell him to his face, I'm never going to be with you. He, he, He's never going this to let it go. Closure. Yes. Okay. Correct. That's why old lady gets him out, but Alejandro gets him off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, ex- that right? it, it, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm he, saying. And he should have went to the dad and be like, I broke one more mare. And then <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he should have done. I'm sure it would have got him a whole lot farther. Mike has no daughters. <laughs> that's un- that is untrue. <laughs> All right. They're very young. Then let's play that scene out. <laughs> They're very young. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's there's a one other thing that the, the duena says to him, which is like, you think that she's, bailing him out and getting him out of town and she's saving Alejandro so she can be, you know, right with the world. But she's like, no, fuck that. I don't want that for her either. Like, I want her to live something that I never could. And like, I don't know what the future's going to be. Like, we're in the middle of a fucking revolution. Anything could happen. She could have anything better. I don't want her to get married to some snobby society bitch either. Like, that sucks too. Whatever it is, it's not you, though, kid, so you got to bounce. Yes. That's never going to work either way because that's not better for her either. Okay, so I had super short notice on this um, episode and did not get to finish the book. So does he not end up with Oh, God, ranch, no. I'm guessing. Oh, God, <laughs> no. That's okay. Oh, God. I didn't figure, book. but. <laughs> no Clara McCarthy books have happy endings. No, no. None of them? <laughs> This is literally his happiest. I don't know. I think the road road ends with optimism. I think the road's kind of a happy ending. The road mm. has something hopeful in it. I think that's the one that you told me that I should. The man still dies, though. Spoiler: the man still (laughs) dies. The main character still dies. Is he the main character though? Is he the main character though? Okay. He's well, half of not after characters. he's dead. <laughs> I don't know that he's. I don't. The know main that character he's the... is the road itself. Oh, mm. yeah. 
I'm not. I'm not down <laughs> with that the name either. Of the book. I'm, not, I'm not down with the road being the main, the main character. character of the Lorax is the Lorax. The main character of the road. <laughs> We're gonna break okay. It so down. the horses are not the main characters. No, it's only the pretty ones. Yes. Because the fuck about the ugly. Okay, ones. so <laughs> only the pretty okay, ones. Okay, so blue. okay, so we're not calling Alejandra a horse, like just because she gets rode. No, but her father would cut out the s in that word when he finds out what she's been doing in the barn. Fuck y'all. All right, so moving along, she uh, says, "No, I'm not. Like this is it. Sorry, goodbye." And he, and so John Grady decides he needs to do some real badass cowboy shit and shoot a bunch of people. I, no, actually, she, what he really wants to do is get his horse back or get his horse back and Blevins' his horse back because it's a very pretty horse. So he goes <laughs> He wants all the pretty the horses. Prison. <laughs> exactly. He wants them all for himself. He goes back to the prison or the jail with the, with the captain, the original captain, and says... And he walks in, and he's with a gun. And he's like, where's my fucking horse? And the guy's like, I don't have your fucking horse. But then he, uh, like, bring me the fucking horse. So he, like, kidnaps the captain and, like, puts him in handcuffs. And then there's a big shootout. I have to admit, I was just skimming this, af- this afternoon because I also needed to finish in a hurry. So this is, like, big shootout and all this stuff. But also, John Grady gets shot. Twice, I think. He gets shot in the leg once, but it comes out, so there's two holes. Oh, right. You see, there you go. So, yeah. anyway, so this all big, like, fight scene, you know, and it's like, oh, this is finally a fucking cowboy book. Great. This is the OK Corral finally happened. Um, and then he finally gets away. He gets the horse. He has two horses with him now. He's it's got his three horses. Ori- three horses. There you go. Yeah. All, 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 uh, He's got his, his original horse. horse Levins's horse and Rollins' horse. Yeah, and because he got shot, he has to he has to disinfect the wound by heating his own gun over a fire and then sticking the gun, if he super hot gun barrel, into the leg wound to like disinfect it, which and cauterize it so he doesn't. Bleed I'm out. not a doctor, but I question. I question whether that's like actually a real thing. Let's like, like well, that just goes to show how much not real. a doctor you are because it works gangbusters. You know that that same approach mm, also worked noise. in the road, so it's in universe. It's something that they do in like westerns because it, it looks badass. When in reality, it would like I feel like your meat would just get stuck <laughs> to the gun and you had to rip it off again, <laughs> and then it would just get infected again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this book came out in 1992. That's after a decade of action movies where that's all fucking dudes did. <laughs> they're like Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger movies and Stallone and fucking... I'm sure there's a, there's a diehard where he like shoots through his bullet hole to shoot another guy. Like there's That's the fourth diehard, yes. Yeah, it's diehard. Live free or die, and or diehard. <laughs> and, and but, or diehard, yeah. Christmas or, movies but, all. Yes, Christmas movies. Christmas movies. Actually, the fourth one is an Arbor Day movie. I don't care. Uh, They're I all Christmas care. movies. You can binge them on Christmas. <laughs> I've ordained it to you be could, so. You can binge a lot of things on Christmas. That doesn't make heroin a Christmas thing. But so <laughs> the depends on what you get for Christmas. Exactly. I mean that that white powder comes down on the from it's good enough for Bing, um, but. There, like that was a, there was like action movies of like dudes just doing that kind of dumb bullshit. 
I think this is where McCormick. Yeah, it's always right. Sweet. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little bit in my, in my book. I need to have some manliness here. Yeah, it is. It's always like the leather strap in the mouth and some like hot fucking poker to make some shit. Like the knife. It's usually a knife, right? But evidently, yeah, it's like a knife. Or, but yeah, yeah, this time it's even crazier because it's a it's a like through and through his thigh. Right. And There's like an what, exit, and he sticks the gun into it to burn it from the inside. But the thing that I don't understand about the whole thing is like once you, once you molest the barrel that way, the gun becomes (laughs) like, how, yeah, how is the gun ever like, like, what are you going to do with a gun after that? Like, I'm not shooting a gun after I've made the barrel so hot. It's going to be warped. I thought that that was. I thought that that was a very interesting idea that McCarthy chose. There was no other piece of metal (laughs) available. I mean, I'm I'm from New York, so I've only shot a gun once at a range, so I'm not an expert. But they they do get hot when you shoot them a whole lot. Yeah, but not fire hot to where you can cauterize a wound. You are not cauterizing a wound, (laughs) and the outside the outside's not getting red hot like that. Mm-mm. Well, I guess he well, never he never shoots again after. I guess that not. I, I, yeah, so I guess after you've put a maybe gun it's still barrel, stuck in his leg. I, I don't know. I guess once you put a gun barrel through your leg, everybody else is like, "Don't fuck with him." Like maybe he should have led with that. I don't know. You're like, oh, that guy's that guy's just gonna die on his own. Right. <laughs> like, don't fuck with him. He's just gonna kill himself. Which, if you've read the trilogy, you find that's pretty much what happens. What is the word people say when they want you to shoot a gun again? Fire. Fire. Oh, no. It's a metaphor. It's a <laughs> <laughs> this is for my upcoming paper, the hermeneutics of uh, the word fire. Pretty horses. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> All right. I'm um, not. What I think though, he just. I think though, like the gun gets really hot, and it's not like he's in a fucking smithy. It does not. He's not a blacksmith. He just like heats it in a campfire or whatever. It gets it's hot a, enough to burn your leg. Yeah, I mean it's that not has from to him, be like it's not from that him has to be. It. It's from him sticking it in a fire. But so. that but hot enough to burn your skin is just as hot as a hot pocket. That doesn't mean <laughs> that he's he like out of hot forge. pocket to close the wound. Okay, I'm sorry. I've never <laughs> cauterized a, a hot pocket with a hot pocket. <laughs> You fucking could. <laughs> you could. You put that in for three and a half minutes. That inside of it, you could. You could start a nuclear. Maybe if you take one of the pepperonis that. out. He could have put it's that on plasma there. Plasma at that point. Yeah, those it things are fucking fused. uranium. It would have. He could have. He could have quarter. He could have like hot if his pockets. leg was missing. He could have sealed that wound with a hot pocket. Which is what they did in the road. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hot pocket. Cauterized it with a hot pocket. The only remaining hot pocket he cuts after off the, the whole foot, and he heats up the hot pocket, uh, and he <laughs> sticks the hot pocket on the end of his foot to become his new foot. Okay. And it just melts. Enough about hot pockets. On. If we start talking in cursive, well, I don't we think we got to it. talk about what we were drinking. We're drinking fifty five percent. Yeah. That, <laughs> is that Jefferson? Was, no, what yeah. That no. Looks like, uh, no. We're <laughs> no. We're hanging Maker's out. Mark. Oh. Yeah. We're hanging out with the cast Maker's Mark strength. Cast strength. So, um, <laughs> I made a drink. I call it the Monster Maker where I mix uh, makers with a peach monster. It's absolutely delicious, oh and it'll keep you up for like three days. Are you just trying to remake Four loco? <laughs> no, it's way better than Four loco because Maker's like Mark... five loco. Yeah, the cast strength <laughs> comes in at 110 proof, uh, and it's Mark. absolutely delicious. So 
that's what we're ta- that's what we're, we're not out having with. it with monster tonight. We yeah, are just no, having it and on I ice. think <laughs> and I think that if we put this bottle in a fire, the <laughs> I'm not trying to stay up. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But wait, you, you tell us about your creative cocktail to hide the fact that you're drinking cask strength booze. And you're like, but so I make this cocktail. It's cask strength. Oh no, 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 I, no. Em- we drink. But I no. But hold the monster. Yeah, I, I hold the monster. <laughs> like, cheers. Yeah. No, we hold the monster. <laughs> uh, Alejandra did at some points too, mm. but <laughs> no, she rode the monster. <laughs> well, that's where he learned about the hot pocket. But <laughs> it makes a hot pocket. <laughs> All right, maybe we should go back to he stole the horse. He got the horses back. Maybe right. we he should got go the back horses there. Back, <laughs> shot a bunch of Mexican dudes. One shot him. He cauterized the wound, and oh, then how? he gets back to do America. <laughs> We're not going he, back to that. <laughs> and then he Wouldn't gets he back to America. And then it's like, oh, thank God I'm in America again. But he, then he goes to a judge. I can't remember. He goes, well, because he, he gets arrested. He somehow he gets arrested he, because he has the judged. horse. Well, no, he has Blevins' horse. And they're like, the fuck you got this horse for? You must have stole it. And somebody else filed with the court that said, this is my horse. And he's like, this is absolutely not your horse. And so they end up in front of the judge and the judge says, all right, so tell me why this is your horse. And so John Grady tells them this story and the judge is like, all right, I have a couple of questions for you. Do you have clean underwear on? I think that was like one of my favorite things because like he goes, do you have on clean underwear? He's like, yes, sir, I do. He says, well, will you shit myself in hours <laughs> in the Mexican prison? Maybe I didn't. But today, today I have on clean underwear. And the judge says, only because he rode through the river on the way over. Right. And so the judge says, well, will you show me? Will you show me the bullet wound? And so John Grady drops his drawers in the middle of court to show the judge his cauterized by the barrel of his gun bullet wound. And the ju- <laughs> let the record show. Yes, right. And the judge says, the judge goes, I've seen a lot of cases that have made me question humanity. This, sir, is not one of them. The horse is yours. I believe your story. Go on about your life. Be fruitful and prosper. <laughs> Thank you for having clean underwear Thank on. Thank you for having clean <laughs> underwear on. So if he didn't have clean right, underwear, he, never he would have immediately it. have gone to jail. I, right. He'd be like, you stole that horse. And I'm like, right. now I'm back in fucking jail again. Right. God damn it. Thank goodness for clean I thought underwear. it was I thought it was an interesting I thought it was an interesting little discussion because it it kind of still goes back to the propriety of the day, right? Because the whole reason John Grady is in this whole situation is because of his indiscretions while he was not married to this woman that he was having sex with. And so now he's in this courtroom and there's people, women in this courtroom and the judge is like how are we going to do this? Like, we don't want to, we don't want to be improper. So like, do you, do you feel comfortable doing this kind of thing? And I thought that that was a very interesting kind of connection to the idea that McCarthy is trying to like, that he does a lot with proper society that's private with public 
knowledge and what you can display publicly. He does that he does that a lot in his books. Like what's private, what's natural, what's public, what's governmental, and how do those things all work together? So yeah, he drops his he drops his fucking drawers and he gets the fucking horses. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets the horse and the judge is like, yeah, you know what? Fucking keep the horse. It's fine. And then he keeps the horse. And he also f- learns that his father is dead, or more like he he has a feels a premonition. he feels a great he feels a great disturbance in the force, and is like I think my father is dead, and he just knows, and of course he doesn't care about his mom, so therefore it's, it's kind of the same thing. But then he has to go and return the horses, but he's got to find out who the fuck Blevins even was, because he doesn't know how to get the horse back. So he hears. Uh, on the radio, it's because it, you know they knew that Blevins wasn't his real name because he's like, "What's your name, Jimmy Blevins?" Like, like the singer. He's like, "Nope, different one." <laughs> like the preacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he goes because he hears the Jimmy Blevins radio hour, and he goes to the place and he meets this guy who is a faith healer, but over the radio, so it's more efficient. So and that yeah, he can put heal. your hands on the radio. Yeah, but he can heal. Heal through the radio. Mars, yeah. right? It was like Mars, like people on Mars. Because this was. Uh, they mentioned a thing like they, you know, they tried to shut down the radio station, but the station, the, the broadcasting uh, tower itself is in Mexico. So America can't turn it off because this guy's a quack. And this was a thing people were doing back in these days because they mentioned this thing. That's why Dr. Brinkley come here. Do you guys know who Dr. Brinkley was? He was a medicine man is back in this goat era. Ball guy? He's the, the goat, goat ball, ball guy. guy. Who was like, if your dick don't work, I'll you cut your balls. balls open and I'll stuff goat balls into your sack. Oh my. And then your dick will work again. Oh. And they're like, you have to stop doing this. This is not good. Yeah. And he's like, I can do whatever I want. Let's just go with the blue pill. <laughs> and he started putting goat balls into ladies too, as you oh know, as equal God. opportunity. But he was the goat ball guy. Like, oh my God. I'm he so built, glad I know like, that. The biggest fucking tower. In Mexico, that like yeah. you could reach like fucking Cincinnati with it or whatever. Yeah, he built a and it was radio, like two radio feet tower past in the Mexico border. because that way the, the government could not shut it down. He and he put goat balls Mexican on that radio. authorities and goat balls. Yeah, and that's how we get chupacabras. Except for, <laughs> I don't know about goat balls, but I know he had like chicken and dumplings, right? Like he's like. They feed him. What do you think were in those dumplings? <laughs> <laughs> Lamb fries. <laughs> yeah. Lamb fries. Good um, try. So, yeah. So, like, he shows up there, and she's like, oh, we're going to feed you. And there's this preacher, and they're like, yeah, we don't know who Jimmy Blevins is, but my husband is healing people on Mars because of his radio station. And then that's when he realizes that, who knows who these horses belong to, and it's obviously not this place. And so, where do we go from here? It was really kind of well, a one s- of them is one of them is Rollins. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, it was kind of a sad moment in the book because I think if John Grady had been the romantic hero that some people want to make him, this was the moment where John Grady could realize that you can't fix everything in the universe, and he just doesn't like. You're here, and they're telling you this is not the place, and so where do you go from here? And John Grady still thinks that he can make everything right with the world, and you just can't. Like, 
you don't know all the things you don't know. And there's like this, all these things that you can't fix, but no John Grady's, yeah, he still thinks he can. He's like, all right, so this isn't, it, it's not here. Like the woman literally says my husband's sermons could be heard on Mars. And so we, all these extraterrestrials are going to hear about Jesus <laughs> in these things, in that wonderful if they and have AM radio. It's terrible. Like, it's <laughs> awful. It's it's so awful. And even then, John Grady doesn't get it. Even then, he doesn't get it. And then it's basically the end. I mean, he kind of rides off into the sunset. Well, he gives Rollins his horse back. And he's like, hey, I thought you were dead. Like, nope. And I bang that Mexican girl again. He's like, cool, man. Because <laughs> they're still 17. So. <laughs> <laughs> Smell my fingers. Sweet, dude. <laughs> High five. <laughs> so, and then pow. Does the farm end up sold? Do they? Oh yeah, even yeah, yeah. Tell? The, the farm is sold in the beginning of the book. Like oh, the, the, yeah. Like John Grady's farm is gone. Like that's so before never he even thing. starts fucking yes. Alejandro. Yes. The yeah, John. Yeah, that's Grady's, why he leaves. Yeah, yeah. That's why he leaves. John Grady's farm has been gone. Okay, I guess I missed that part. Been gone. Got it. And then he just decides to chase the pretty horses. Hang out. <laughs> yeah. Until the he next just rides book. away again. Until the next book. Is he? He's not in the next. He's book, not. Right? He's, he's not. Like, he's not. Yeah. It, it, no, that's all. That's all. Um, Billy in the next one, and then him yeah. and Billy get together in the third. Wait. So, spoiler: he's not in the sequel. No, the, the sequel, sequel is a sequel. different guy, and the third book is about the two. Yeah, of them. yeah. So Billy Parnum is in the second one, and then him, John Grady, and Billy get together in the third one. Get together. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't get together. They don't get together. I wish they would. Honestly, if they had gotten together in the third one, it would have ended better for John Grady. But John Grady never changes. Should we read the other? Yeah, no, read, you absolutely should. You, yeah, 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 you absolutely yeah, they're should. All, they're all very good. Yeah, they're all very good. Uh, Jimmy, you can. You've read all of them, yes. It's been a minute, but yeah, I've read all of them. So, in my opinion, um, all the pretty horses of the trilogy. So it's. Um, what is it? All the pretty horses. The second uh, one the is crossing and cities of the and plain. cities of the plain. So, in my opinion, I like cities of the plain the best. I like the crossing next, and all the pretty horses in the trilogy. I like it, but of the three, it's my least favorite. I, th- I think cities of the plain is more like his other books because it's darker and more depressing. I. To be honest, I haven't read his two newest. I haven't read those. They're real. We read. We read them. I saw that. I saw that. They're real weird. And I haven't listened. I haven't listened to the podcast because I appreciate the way you guys just talk about them. And so I didn't want any spoilers. So I haven't listened to them yet. Definitely read it. You will get nothing. We're not going to explain that one though. Yeah. Yeah, Don't tell me. They're they're real hard. You can't. You can't explain. Don't tell me. We tried. We failed. But I will tell you. Of I've read everything from Cormac except his last two, The Passenger and Stella Morris. Um, and I will tell you all the pretty horses, which I did write a paper about. I'll be presenting um, at conference in May on all the pretty horses. It's still my least favorite. I like it, but it's still my least favorite Cormac book that I've read. I say my least favorite is Orchard Keeper just because I thought it was the hardest. And I was just like at the end, like, I don't, 
even know what's going on at certain points. So I would love to talk to you about that one because I think I think that when you like pull the orchard keeper apart and you figure out what's going on in there, it's it's I think the orchard keeper is one of the most beautiful books. Faulkner-esque it is, right? Like you're yeah, like, the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> right. Yeah, I felt that way the whole time. Yes, yes. Um and th- this one is is way more, you know, because we because we on this podcast we've done those two we've done blood meridian um did the road back in the day i wasn't even on it then and uh no country for old men and mccarthy is a difficult at times writer to even understand what the fuck is going on i'd say all the pretty horses is like by far his easiest to even like comprehend like it's, it's the writing was very straightforward for him. Almost like a different person wrote it. Completely like an agree. Early version of him wrote it. And I think it was so because it was like, nice. I think it was because when he he wrote The Crossing first as a screenplay, right? And so mm. the other ones came later as kind of a supplement to that and I think that's why it's easier to read because if you read something like The Sunset Limited that was written like a play, when you read things that McCarthy wrote because it was supposed to be for an audience, you get something that's a little easier to digest. Um, but when you read things like The Orchard Keeper, which was his first one when he was still in his Faulkner phase, uh, and then you move into the like Child of God, who is still kind of a little Faulkner-esque, but he's kind of moving into his giving you what you something you can understand in a kind of better way. Uh, I think when you move into those works, when you're walking through McCarthy as he writes them, it gets a little easier to understand. I definitely agree that All the Pretty Horses, if if anybody's ever going to come into McCarthy in the beginning, I think you have two choices. Um, I think you either go with Blood Meridian, which I think is his most brutal thing he's ever written, ever, or you go with All the Pretty Horses, which is his most understandable thing he's ever written. I don't know that you can kind of walk into McCarthy um, in anything else that he's written if you're trying to understand him as a writer. Because if you come to him in any other kind of way, if you come to The Orchard Keeper, you're not going to get it. If you come to Suchery, you're not going to get it. Um, If you come into Child of God, it's just going to be disgusting. Uh, so you, like, you can't read Child of God. You can't read Child of God if you haven't read Blood Meridian. I'm a firm believer. Like, oh, this is actually pretty tame. <laughs> correct, correct. I don't, I, I don't think you can do that There's because only one dead rape. And, and quite frankly, quite <laughs> frankly, if we're going to talk about McCarthy as an author, I think that if you haven't read Suchery, you don't understand him because Suchery is like his most hmm. epic novel that he's ever written. Um, and in Suchery, there is this overarch theme of hospitality that you cannot miss, right? Because everybody in Suchery is broke. Nobody in Suchery has anything. But whenever two people are together, everybody is giving somebody something. I'm giving you food. I'm giving you a beer. Let me buy you something. Like there is a hospitality there in Suchery that you just can't miss. And so when you realize that if you can get past the brutality 
of McCarthy, that there is always some type of humanity there. When, when McCarthy is trying to tell you that even in the most brutal moments, even when everything is the most disgusting it can ever be, when people act like humans, there's always possibility. I, I think that's what McCarthy gives us in every single thing he's ever written. And I think that's what's beautiful in all of his work. And for me, it's really hard. Like, I have to, like, every... Like, after every McCarthy book, I have to read, like, Jane Austen. I have to have, like, this palate cleanser that gives me some beautiful little, like, no bullshit English bullshit drama. Because it's so Because McCarthy is so fucking brutal. Except for when you... It is. He's so brutal. But when you go Mm -hmm. into him and when you understand that what he's trying to tell you is that if you can move past the brutality, if you can move past the things that humans do to each other, there's hospitality there, there's connection there, there's humanity there. We see it beautifully in the road. You see it in um, it's Old in Country. Like all of his, all all of of his westerns. All you of know, it. Every t- in this book, like uh, they're wandering around the desert and then come across some Mexicans who clearly have nothing. And they're like, you got any food? Like, yeah, whatever food we got here. Cool, man. We want to buy your boy, <laughs> but we'll feed you first. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't want a skinny boy. You got to fat him. And you have the little girls, right? Like you have the little girls. Like when John, when John Grady is like all wrapped up, they're like, "Dude, can we bring you cigarettes?" Like they're like, "Can we bring you some stuff?" Like there's always, he always hospi- he always has hospitality in his novels, and I really think that I, I think that when you can get past the brutality of it all, that's where his beauty is. What about? It's been a while since we read Blood Meridian. Where's the Where's the silver lining in Blood Meridian? Eventually you die. Yeah, you die, but the, but the judge lives forever, and he, he dances around on his dainty baby feet. <laughs> You're I don't not suffering much. anymore. <laughs> Blood Meridian. That was fucked up. Yeah, I'm going to be really honest, um, because that's a, that's a good question. For me, Blood Meridian was super, super hard for me, um, because it was absolutely so horrific. Um, but I think for me, Blood Meridian was one of those books that said, because the kid, you, he never gave him a name, right? He was just the kid. And what you knew from the kid was if that wasn't the situation he was in, that's not who he would have been. And, and for me, that's the only thing that I could pull from the Blood Meridian was, Maybe if we could have given him a better shot, maybe if that's not, if the war, if the war wasn't what he was thrusted into, if the war wasn't the only way he thought he could make his way and, and make a life for himself, if he had another option, he would have taken it because it wasn't natural for him to behave those ways. That's what I took. That's what I took from the Blood Meridian. Well, that's probably also the other thing that McCarthy always not always, but most of his books write about is inevitability or like once you have started on a path, that is the path you are on forever, which is the point of this book, certainly. But Blood Meridian uh, was the same thing. No Country for Old Men. It was like you picked up the drugs in the shootout. What did you think was going to fucking happen? So (laughs) 
Like one, once you are doing a thing, that's it forever, man. You're you're fucked. It's no, never a good thing. But I think it kind of goes back to what he said when, when he gave Lacey when he gave Lacey that conversation, right? When Lacey said, "Whenever I knew when I made a choice," like Lacey says it, and I think that if you take that's one of those moments in the book where I can take it and I can put it in every McCarthy novel that I've ever read and said, this is the point where Lacey says, this is where we made the decision. This is where I knew. I knew I could never come back from it. This is the choice. Like, so you need to make a choice right now because once we make the choice, that's it. You can't do anything and Llewellyn, you're absolutely right, in Old Country for No Men, once he decided he was going to take that money and put it up underneath his trailer, that was it. It didn't matter who he was before, didn't matter who he was after. He took the money when he knew he shouldn't have taken the money, and and that was it. There was nothing he could ever do. Carla Jean was going to die. Even though she had nothing to do with it, she was a complete innocent, and she called Sugar out on all of his bullshit. She knew who Sugar was. She still died. And that was because Llewellyn did the thing that he did, and there was no coming back from that. This is a really optimistic conversation to have leading into Christmas. Um, <laughs> now, I'll remember that time I did something awful when I was 17 or something. Um, I, I just, I, 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 I think that's actually really a series of very interesting observations about Cormac McCarthy that make a shit ton of sense to me. I have this question about any kind of hard writer like this. And we ask this kind of often. Like, isn't it kind of obnoxious <laughs> to fucking write <laughs> stuff that is like, yeah, no one's going to understand what I'm talking about. It's, it's like playing modern jazz. Like, no one's going to get this. But I'm going to do it. This is for me. Yeah, it's for me. And... <laughs> It's beyond pinky up. Past I think the these aren't that hard to no, understand. No. You can, even if you don't get them, they're still fun to read. I mean, it's, it was, like we just read violence. fucking Ulysses a couple weeks ago. Oh, that don't was, even start. That's that beautiful. That, that's beautiful work. Well, that's beautiful fucking <laughs> you're, work. You're, you're but wrong. It is, it is a book of of sucking your own dick. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But here's the real farts. truth. Like... So we are not English majors. So we have t- degrees in everything else other than English. So either. for us, Ulysses was just completely incomprehensible. Beautiful, I Gibberish. would say beautiful. And here's what I would here here's what I would say to that. I would say there are eleven billion million words on the planet, right? And aren't we so? And they're all in Ulysses, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and aren't we? And aren't we so lucky? And aren't we so lucky that we get like? I think about it all the time. I'm like, if I lived to be 250 years, if I was Methuselah and I got 989 years, I would never get to read all the words I wanted to read. And that's what I it's love about E.L. James it. keeps writing books. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you can never keep up. For real. Like, I've read shit. Well, she's a slow one. I've read shit, and I'm like, this really fucking sucks. And here's the real truth. I've never published a book before, so I don't know how hard that is. I don't know how hard that is to go 60, 90,000 words 
in a document and send it to a publisher somewhere and say, "Hey, will you send this to, to other have it people?" Evaluated yeah, by and they're like, "Okay, that aren't people you. will buy that." And <laughs> oh my god, isn't that fucking fantastic? Yeah. And that's fucking hard. And good for them for doing that. Yeah. And if I don't like it, fine. That's you need, just you have to find someone who. Who, who understands your cup of tea? <laughs> so I host I host a book club called um, called Books with Bitches and Bourbon, and for whatever reason, my book club loves Kristen Hannah. <laughs> we almost read one of those. Oh God, did one of those. We almost did one of don't, those. Don't, yeah. don't. We were only going to do the one that they're going to turn into a movie. No, oh God! And then and then we didn't. We didn't. Yeah, then we didn't. It's I. I how do we, you guys? We choose mostly your books? do books. How do you guys? We sh- mostly do books that are bad, and then we make fun of. How them. How do you guys so, choose like, your books? That is the books. Choose that's a good us. question. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great question. How do you choose your books? Well, for a while we were you know burn way through like books everyone's read. Famous like classics. It's famous essentially books. the more famous the book, the more yeah. likely we are to do it. So okay. we Occasionally don't. we'll throw in one that's like going to turn into a movie. And But this year, upcoming, we decided we've had to suffer for so long. Let's just read books we want to read at least a little bit. So we, so we don't. Up that we were like wanted to. <laughs> this is one of the best <laughs> bottles of whiskey I've ever had. Is that, is that the French It is Sinatra the Jack one? Daniels Sinatra. Sinatra. And it comes in this cute little box. And inside of the box... That is what uh, John Grady Cole did a few times on the box. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We have our nominations. (laughs) We let let people put stuff in the box that never was supposed to go in the box. Just like Alejandra. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I can roll with you. (laughs) So that's, that's how we pick ours. And so, like, Kristen... Kristen Han has been in there a couple of times. Um, Ellen, Kristen Han, Hilda, really, like I, Colleen Hoover. I feel like is one of the bigger ones that we we, we did. We did a couple of those. The Colleen and Hoover, made fun of them. Yeah, so I can't, made fun of that. Yeah. So I guess what I, I guess what I mean is, I don't. It, it doesn't bother me that there's books for a whole bunch of different people. I just love that people read. Like, I just love that people pick up a book and they're like, oh, this is what I like and I'll read it. And yeah. I don't really care what that is. Yeah, I've definitely we, appreciated... I mean, we end up discussing that a lot. I've definitely appreciated, like, venturing out of my comfort zone and reading books that are out of my norm because of being part of a book club. Yeah, I do too. But I like this. I, I like picking a book and talking to people about different things about the book. Like, if it's not a book I can't talk about, if the book conversation takes 15 minutes, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, we certainly, from our our side, is like we started this, or they started this. I joined a, a pretty, few months pretty early in. On. But it was like, get to read more. So like, I haven't heard of most of the books that these guys pick. Like, they read more than I do, and they know more authors than I do, but I've been along for the ride, and I've enjoyed it. But, you know... We're coming up on like almost 400 episodes. So after a while, you run out of shit to do. So it's like, all right, let's try some weird stuff or try some terrible stuff because also doing this every week is it's, it's hard to like read a book a week. And I don't know every it. week. No, the read, wow. the read the book a week is not <laughs> what blows week? my brain. The fact that you can edit an episode a week is what blows my brain. It is. You know. Yep, uh, it, it takes time. Yeah, 
It takes time. time. So to go back to Mike's question about obnoxious writers, I think that it all goes to taste. Um, And I think that I just appreciate that. I like that we have media like this so that people can listen and say, oh, that sounds like something I would like. Oh, that sounds like something that I wouldn't like. Because I know that Cormac McCarthy is not for everybody. I didn't even... I only read Cormac McCarthy because it was part of a grad seminar that I had to take. I had never read him before, ever. It was a Hemingway McCarthy seminar. I love Hemingway. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take that class. And so then I got introduced to Cormac McCarthy and I realized that it was beautiful stuff that he was doing and something that I wouldn't have normally understood had I not read him in that context. So. I mean, he is, he's my favorite author and I do not understand a lot of it. So good to know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what, what was the, can I, what was the name of that Porsche? Like, Macho dudes who don't say much. And actually, <laughs> actually, it was way more generic than that. It was, are you ready? Are you ready? It was Hemingway and McCarthy. <laughs> so original. That was so macho dudes who don't say that much. Was, yeah. That was <laughs> like the title. That was the name of the course. So basic. But is it? But like, and I. I guess that's what kind of gets me really interested in those kind of things because as a woman in those kind of classes and when people say macho dudes that don't don't say very much, the dudes never defend the guys. Like when there is, um, when there's accusations of misogyny, like there's never the dude that's speaking up in the class going, oh, that's not misogynistic. It's always me. Like I'm always the one going, ah, that's not really, it's not really misogyny. Like all the pretty horses, the fact that there's not a whole lot of women in McCarthy's novels is not necessarily misogyny. All the pretty horses, the women are, are functioning in a 1949 Mexico. Like if you put the history in there, all of his women are completely time appropriate. So you need to know yes, the history. You need background. to know the history. Like any if you had Alejandra do anything else, it would be completely anachronistic yeah. because she wouldn't have done <laughs> if you ever acted like a she wouldn't have girl. behaved anyone <laughs> anywhere else. If you take Hemingway in in Hills Like Elephants, like she wouldn't have behaved any other way. Hemingway wouldn't have known to write her any other way because that was the that was the period of time that he lived in. So is that misogyny or is that just appropriate for appropriate the for the history? And so like I'm always defending. I am always like I have Hemingway tattooed on my <laughs> body. Like that's how much I love him. And we're we're going to break and, into the pool. <laughs> and I think he's and I think he's fantastic. And so I think that that's where I kind of get to when we're talking about these kind of works and we're talking about these kind of authors, when, when you can't conflate, you can't conflate the author with their characters. Like McCarthy's not writing women because McCarthy doesn't love women. McCarthy's not writing women because they're not in the fucking story. All the Pretty Horses doesn't have women because he's a misogynist. 
all the pretty horses doesn't have women because there's no fucking women. <laughs> like when John they're Grady, not, they're not traveling the trail. They're, they're not traveling <laughs> on the trail. Like when Lacey it could be said that the smartest woman, smartest character in the book is the Duena, who's the only like you guys are all fucking crazy. I'm just trying to make the world a better place. What? So shut the fuck up. Get out of here. And he absolutely does that because when when Alfonso talks about the chess game. The chess game is kind of one of the most telling things about the book when it comes to McCarthy and women, because the chessboard is made of a wood that is very rare and was uh, and was most often used as gunstock. So there's the battle analogy, right? That McCarthy doesn't explicitly say, but he never does. And then the chess pieces are made of things Animal. from the top five game, game yeah. in Africa. And he also doesn't say that, but that's absolutely what it is. And so the King's opening is, is a um, chess opening that came from the 1940s. It was an Irish uh, chess player. It's also called the tumbleweed opening, uh, which I think is brilliant on McCarthy's part, because you have the King's Own, which talks about Duena's class, and the Tumbleweed, which talks about John Grady's Cole's Texas upbringing that pulls them into direct conflict with each other. And in the American Chess Journal, where this opening is talked about, there's a anonymous poem written about the Tumbleweed opening where... There's this there's these two chess guys that come together and this guy knows the tumbleweed opening and he uses it and this other guy has no idea and there's parts of the poem that talks about he didn't realize his queen couldn't be saved. There's so many parts of the poem that kind of moves into what McCarthy is trying to say about Alejandra's honor and how it because she lived in Mexico because this honor system that she lived under was never going to be saved by somebody by John like John Grady like Alejandra was the only one that could have saved her this poem works in all of those kind of ways and I can't imagine that McCarthy didn't know about those kind of things. And so those are the kind of things that always gets me excited. It's the kind of thing he knows and would write about. Correct. Absolutely. And it's the kind of stuff that we've come upon in these, in many books where it's just like, we need someone to tell us why this book is, you know, because it's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know I was going to say, he would just assume <laughs> that you're going to know all these things or... Come about these. I don't knowings. think he would. I don't think he would assume that you would know. No. I think that, but like all, like all the classics and stuff, where you know, ah, well, this is well, they're clearly speaking about the, you know, the industrial revolution era uh, book book binder John Smithers. It's like, what? Who the fuck are you talking? Like, if we don't learn about this shit in like a college class, where someone was like, I don't think he would assume. Line by line, it, it's 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 hard. Some of these are hard. I think that he. I think that. I think that some writers go, if I put so much work into writing it, maybe you You'll should put, put a, a little, little effort. effort into reading it. 
and understanding. That's what I think. That's what I think. And and it's just like food. Everything's not for you. Maybe yeah. you don't like this. Maybe you just are looking for a Your Colleen Hoover. Maybe under a different <laughs> taste. <laughs> right. Like maybe it's just not for you. I hear you on that. Like, you know, not every, you know, sometimes you're in the mood for Twinkies and sometimes you want right. you know, something that's harder. Like, you have to mature before you enjoy blue cheese or something. Like, you know, like they're like, a, like an acquired taste. Or beer or bourbon, you know. Yeah, I acquired that one fast. But the, <laughs> I just think, I mean, and I like, I like flowery writers and like Michael Chabon's one of my favorite writers to read i love like beautiful like oh my god just like look what he did with these words like i, I appreciate that and Cormac mccarthy's like kind of like that sometimes you're like holy shit what is that word that <laughs> dictionary doesn't even have in it that he pulled out of fucking somewhere i appreciate that part but i just think you know you say before like there's the the lament there are so many books and there's so little time to read them that when somebody sits down and says, i'm gonna write a fucking book that you need to spend seven weeks on that is one massive ego, and <laughs> yeah, it's you're not wrong. It's really, it's really obnoxious. And like you know, at the end of Cormac McCarthy's career, you could kind of understand it's like, well, he's Cormac McCarthy, <laughs> but as like a 31 year old man, like shut the fuck up, Cormac. I've got, and I've got age. other things to do with my time. <laughs> like, go get a job, you dickhead. Your wife's hungry. Like, <laughs> like what a tool. So, are you saying you didn't like it? It, no, I did. I did. Okay, okay. I just, just I, just, I just, I, I liked the fifteen percent. I was like, I understand the plot of this. I understand to some degree. We're like all this like deep shit. We're like, and don't you understand that when he put it on the coaster, that was a, that was about Rhodesia. I'm like, I don't fucking get any of that. No, the and coaster was her hymen, Michael. It was her hymen. Yes, he was resting his phallic glass on it, and. You know, Tony, he was broke. drinking a Bloody Mary. Like, oh, gross. Okay, <laughs> took a drink but, like, at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it didn't come out my nose. I, I don't get all of those. Like, I, 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 like, when you say it, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, clever. But I, I you know, I just think. Uh, and part know. of that is the maybe I have to be in the mood break, for that too. It's the yeah, breakneck pace with which we have to read these at times. That's true. It does. So that's what I was going to say. So, like in my short time, and even though I didn't get through the whole thing, like even trying to do this in a short amount of time on audio, and I'm not typically an audio person, trying to just go through, like that's not that is not the format that. One should do an intro to no, McCarthy. I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think that that's why everything has its place. Yes. Right? Like when you do something like the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones, mm-hmm. anything, anything but Tara Jenkins Reid. She's yeah. wonderful. Yes. I love her. I love to read her. It's going to take me exactly 15 minutes to break that book down. Right. It's It's not going to take me any more than that. But when you talk about people like Hemingway and 
McCarthy. I need more than a three day notice. And and Rusty, because you guys, because you guys have tackled Rusty. That was a great podcast, uh, by we, the way. We did not. Oh, yeah, thank you. We read it. I would not <laughs> yeah, say that we, we read it. He's like, I don't know if we tackled us. it. I do want to tell you. Our, our eyes passed over the words. He stiff armed us. I, I do want to tell you, I, and and I did want to tell you this because so next semester in my program, I do I am taking a post colonial class that's going to be completely centered on Indian literature. Um, Midnight's Children is going to be one of them. And when we got to talk to the professor about what the class was going to look like, I told him that I'd tried to read Satanic Verses and I didn't know how to conquer it because I was, I, it was like reading Faulkner. I knew that he had done something beautiful, but I had missed it and I, I wasn't really sure what was going on. I will tell you that what he told me was, Many people have tried to conquer India. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just let it wash over you. And I had heard that from him before I listened to your podcast about the satanic verses. And so I really appreciated the way you guys the the way you guys approached it because it's fucking hard. Thank you. Baffle, bafflement and sadness. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> like it's fucking and, and hard. Alcohol. It's fucking hard. <laughs> Alcohol yeah. helps everything. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Nearly everything. <laughs> it's quite hard. So, uh, uh, so as far as all the pretty horses goes, I liked it. It was very okay. I mean, it was more than fine. We've read so many other very bad things that I was like, oh, okay, this is. We've I, read you could worse. Tell <laughs> there's, we've read so many worse things. We have read so many worse things. Oh but anyway, we so I liked it. I didn't say I loved it though. It's not five stars for me. Maybe I need to read the other two books in the trilogy because you say that they're better. So perhaps we need to do that. But I, uh, it was like, eh, it was pretty good. So what is your rating out of the five? Mm, I'm trying three. to decide between three and four. I thought you were going to say three. I'm, tr- I'm trying to decide between three those and two. A half. We've read so many terrible things, though, that is like, okay. It was definitely better than that. Just go three and a half. But yeah, well, it won't. It won't. The Goodreads won't let me select three and a half. <laughs> we take an overall vote on our group. Yeah. Anyway, that was my opinion. I gave it five because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but also because, like, I gave it five the first time I read it. I don't even know, like, five or six years ago, and I didn't honestly. I don't remember much, much of it. And since then, I read a bunch more Carmen McCarthy. And I was this time through, I was like, maybe this is actually like a four star. But I think like three quarters into it, it really does pick up and become like what I actually like about Carmen McCarthy. Like the last quarter of it is totally fucking different from the rest of it, which is the writing style changes. It becomes like his real, it's like blubbering with less murder, some murder, but much less murder. And like the, you know, the, the whole, the Duena's whole fucking thing was like, this is why I like him as a writer. I don't get everything. I absolutely don't get everything. I get a solid 40%, maybe. I mean, it maybe. But I think it bumped it back up to five for me. Because, uh, you know, fuck it. Because I can do what I want. Hell because yeah. we're in America, not Mexico. The rules <laughs> are whatever we want them to be here. You're not going to end up in prison. What about you, Reba? What'd you think? Oh, I, I don't think it's a fair vote because I didn't get to finish, so... I, all I say is, based on the vote and what I've heard, I'm going to finish it. So that's a fair vote. 
<laughs> That's fair, yeah. Okay. I think that qualifies at least as a 3.5. <laughs> it's, it's worth finishing, yeah. I, I like that uh, Reba voted present for uh, the vote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I thought it was great. I, I do. I just don't get everything in it. And that's like annoying to me sometimes, but I enjoyed it. Just because I'm like annoyed at like, what a snobby douchebag. doesn't mean I don't <laughs> like the book. Uh, Ulysses, I thought, was a piece of shit. But this, I thought, was... Uh, I enjoyed the story. I wanted to know what happened. I cared about the character. I, you know, it was pretty wild. Uh, I just didn't get all of, like, the literary, like, oh, don't you see what he's, what this is really about stuff? And when that's pointed out to me, it's my own insecurities. I'm like, how did I miss this? How did I not know about 1949's Mex- Mexican female, you know, gender roles? Um, <laughs> but... I thought it was great. I'd recommend it. And it's, it is, it, it lacked, uh, for a lot of at least, like the, what I associate with Carmen McCarthy, because I've read The Road and Blood Meridian and No Country for Old Men. I think it's the ones we've done, right? They're all and like, you're like this was an easy read. <laughs> yeah, this is like, this is like the, this is his beach read. <laughs> um, Before your but, vote. Do y'all and, okay. So I know Jimmy is already, but at least Mike. And I don't know if Nate has. Do y'all envision reading the trilogy? Oh, sure. I can't. I have a feeling have to we'll do things. it. Yeah. Okay. We'll I was just curious based on your interest in the first one. Will you invite you me back, better. please? <laughs> yeah, we need someone to explain to us why. <laughs> yeah. and, and if I have more notice, I promise I will read. <laughs> no, I definitely All right, Mike, continue. It. Uh, no, no I, I I will read it partly because I have like an obsessive thing where I have to finish a series. Um, uh, but yeah, I do want to read it because he's he, he is a great writer and I enjoyed it. I just think it lacked the like scary heaviness of the other books where I like left a changed man having read The Road. When I was like, oh my god, I've seen the darkness in a man's soul, and then you read this and you're like, oh yeah. There are pretty Cowboys. horses. <laughs> but you would not have felt that had you read this first of his works. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, yeah, it's hard. You know, we're always fitting the books we read into, like, the puzzle of the other books we've already read. So, like, it's recast compared okay. to what else you, you come to it. But, no, I liked it a lot. Okay, so. I would recommend it. She can't, she can't comment on this because, and maybe Jimmy can't either because he's read all of them also. But I do not um, remember them at all, though. I guess I'm wondering <laughs> whether y'all recommend that I finish the trilogy before going into like Blood Meridian and the other darker sides of his works. Probably yes. Okay. I yeah probably if this is your this is your first McCarthy. Um, yeah, I started, I started the road and didn't get to finish. And then she's like, oh, by the way, (laughs) in like two and a half days, we're doing this recording. (laughs) Then maybe you don't need to do this whole trilogy. You could just do the road. And if, if the sadness and despair of the road doesn't break you, then you could try Blood Meridian. But if you, if the road makes you too sad, then don't do Blood Meridian. Okay. So you're saying that I can try the road before finishing trilogy and decide on future yeah. works. And the road is the road is pretty short. Okay, so it is, you can you it can is knock that thing actually out. a short book. All yeah. of it's pretty short unless you tackle Suchery. Like Suchery is the took, only took, one. Took me a took me a long time. Yeah, like Suchery is the only one that is going to take you any kind of like real opinion. time. <laughs> just skip right to Child of God. Don't. Be like, 
<laughs> I've I've already I've already gathered that <laughs> info <laughs> from tonight. And and tonight was the first time I've ever heard of that book. So <laughs> Well, now you can't ever unknow it. No, I cannot. <laughs> and so I know that that is not definitively going to be my next read. <laughs> That's a beach read. No. Which one? It's such a Don't child bullshit me. Oh, Child of God. <laughs> don't bullshit me. Um, yeah, you're that. A light, breezy uh, oh, yeah. necrophilia book. Yeah, it's, it's so fantastic. You're bullshitting a bullshitter. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Just don't read it at a nude beach because then you can't hide your erection. <laughs> <laughs> For the okay, for the what, dead people. What's the temperature up there? <laughs> so uh, it was forty today. Yeah, I think y'all might be under frostbite. So well, yeah, but if you do it in hot, the body goes back quicker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that's that's science. It is science. So I love. All the pretty courses. I like it for a lot of reasons. I like it because it's a great introduction to Cormac McCarthy. Um, because when you read it, it kind of gives you this like introduction to the way he uses grammar, to the way he uses the printed word, and it's just a nice, easy kind of move into him. Um, the thing that I do not like about all the pretty horses is it gives you a false sense of idea about what he's doing for characters. Because if you come into all the pretty horses first, what you think is that John Grady Cole is this romantic hero, is this ideal character that he is trying to produce. And he's really not. Unless you read the full of the trilogy, you don't understand what he's doing. And so the reason the reason I like all the pretty horses is because it's the easiest thing to read from him. It's 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 the it's least just the less the least it's real. the least brutal. It's the least brutal <laughs> but of it's his the work. The least real of him. No, no, no. It's very real. It's very real. But it's the least brutal of his work. But if you go in there and you you haven't committed to reading the trilogy, you don't really understand what he's doing. Um, so so that's why I have a love-hate relationship with it because it's the easiest one to recommend to people because it's not as dark. Um, but it's beautiful in its, in, in its prose. He, he's a great storyteller. It's a beautiful story, and I really like it. But I would say, unless you've committed to reading the trilogy, it's not where I would start. It's so really would, not. Um, what would you rate I, it? I think by I, itself. Oh no, I would read. I would rate. I, I don't itself. know by itself. I don't know anything that Cormac McCarthy's ever written that I wouldn't rate a five because really? I think yeah no I've read it all and I think it's just that good. I think he's just that good. Um, so there's nothing that I would tell you don't read from him. Um, but I'm telling you, if you're just going to read, if all the pretty horses is the only thing you're going to read from him, just don't choose your time doing something else because you're not going to, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand it. It's not going to make sense to you. It's, it, it's not the thing. All the pretty horses is not a standalone book. It's just not. I didn't know that. 
It's just not. If you're not going to read it as part of the trilogy, you're never going to understand it. It's not going to make sense to you. What he's trying to tell you as an author is not going to make sense to you. It's not the point. If you don't meet Billy, you're never going to understand John Grady. McCarthy tries to tell you a little bit of it by giving you Lacey and Blevins as the opposites. But unless you meet Billy, you're never going to understand what he's trying to tell you. So if All the Pretty Horses is all you're going to read, just don't. Go for something like No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men really does kind of give you the the barometer. Yeah, like the whole kind of like temperature of McCarthy's characters. If you don't want the super brutal and if you don't want the babies on the fire, like no country for old men will kind of do that for you. So go there instead. If you're going to go, Oh, I'm going to like kind of investigate what Cormac McCarthy's doing with characters and with story arc and with ideas, then do all the pretty horses. But commit to reading the trilogy. Because if you don't, you never meet Billy. You never understand who John Grady Cole is as a person. And just don't. That's, but I still give All Pretty Horses a five because I've read the trilogy. And if I hadn't, maybe I wouldn't. So let me ask this. As a reader of various things and not one particular gist... If yeah. You will. At, at what point do you recommend the darker pieces of his? Just fucking do mm. it. Good question. That's a great question. And I and I welcome all of your input though because all of you have read some of his darker pieces. Because I only, and I haven't. Because I only walked into Blood Meridian because I didn't know any better. <laughs> I think we did that too. <laughs> And yeah. then we've had yeah, many people right. comment to us on the internet, like, you guys oh. did not get it. So what's your guys, Fucking what's which is everybody's true. feedback on that then? Like, do you recommend that as a read? Of course I do. Mm. It's the same way we talk At about whiskey. Point. No, it's the same way we talk about whiskey. It's not for so, everybody's like, liking. We, so we talk about, <laughs> so when we talk about whiskey, so there's a trend right now in whiskey where overproof whiskey is like this end all be all. Um, so anything over a hundred proof, like if it's not, if it's not a hundred proof, it's not, if it's not 50% or better, nobody's drinking it. And it's kind of that thing where you can't, you can't be a legitimate whiskey drinker unless you're putting something in your face that would blow most people's faces back. Because I don't know if you've ever done 124 proof, but that shit is fucking real. Um, and I... I bet. Have you? Real flammable. Nope. I have not. Oh. Jimmy I've, probably has. We drink it straight I, out the bottle. So we do it. So, <laughs> so like, I've got a bottle on my bar that's 124 proof. Um... And if somebody walked into here right now and said, I've never had whiskey before, I think I would like to try something, that is never what I'm going to give them. No. Ever. Never. Because it's going to blow their fucking face off. And they're never going to want to try anything I ever recommend to them ever again. Um, and that's kind of how I feel like Blood Meridian, Child of God, maybe even Suchery. 
um, I'm never going to say start there because it's so fucking hard until you realize what I think the road, I think the road is probably the best Cormac McCarthy book to walk into if you've never read him and maybe you're never going to read him ever because even while no country for old men kind of gives the idea of redemption I don't think that anything that he does does it better than The Road. And I think that's the book that kind of says the whole world is over. There's nothing we can do. Everything is shit. But maybe we can make it better. But until that's what helps. Yeah, but until you understand, until you understand that that's what he's trying to tell you, until you understand that Cormac is trying to tell you humanity is the way we win because every everything he writes if you can get past the brutality everything he writes tells you that humanity human connection love for each other understanding of each other is how we win if you can't see that in his writing everything else is just babies over fire so if brutality is not a factor and you're just <laughs> Looking at there, there is no, there is no. When you're talking about Cormac McCarthy, there is no brutality is not a factor, right? But I mean, I guess it's always a factor. It's always a factor. There, besides this one, they're he's all fucking. They're all he's fucking brutal. Stella Maris, the passenger, are, are not really any violence to be. I haven't read those, those are, yet. Those are those are different entirely. Yeah, the rest of them, I, like, it's, this it's is the almost only one that's like. Not brutal. It's almost like they publish them when they're not finished. They're just like, hey, he's not going to last very much longer. Let's just publish them now. <laughs> or that, that, that they did. had oh, that shit. feeling. Or, or are we talking about the writings of a 70-year-old dude that knew that about himself? Again, wasn't he like 90,000? Well, supposedly he, had, he actually worked on The Passenger much like for, for years, many years, like before he was in his 90s and stuff like that. So as far as we know, but at the same time, I didn't get it, and I thought it didn't have an ending. So that was a problem. I haven't read them. Anyway, yet. I haven't read those. I haven't read the twoest, the newest ones different. yet. So I, they're I don't definitely know. different. But the Rush road, physics. But the road, the road was one of the ones he wrote later in his life for his young son when he was like, "Oh my God, what like." He wrote that for his kid? Yes. He did. He absolutely <laughs> did. No, God. You didn't know? Father. He absolutely did. Like, he's like he's in a hotel Here's with his son. Tolkien wrote The Hobbit. Uh, Tolkien guidance. wrote The Hobbit for his kid. Carmen McCarthy wrote The he Road. Did. <laughs> he did. Like, he was like, what would I do? do you know what a catamite is, like, son? If the, if, if the whole world ended, what would I do with this son of mine that is so young? Like, how would I? Like, that's exactly why the road was. It's dedicated to his son. And that's why. And not his first Was his son, son five? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He had a kid no. yes. super late. He yes. was like 70-something. And I think the real meaning, put on my English scholar hat for a second, is he was like, I thought it was the end of the world, but my balls had one more in there. 
I was men always the fire. think men always think he, he their like, balls have there one was, more in there, there. There was one more in there, and he, and he did though. He had one more in there, and he was and right. he's like, "Holy shit!" And he was right. I, like my brother. There, <laughs> Never mind. At the end of the world, at the end of it, there's still hope. There could be some more survivors out there, and he had one last reserve one on a more. dusty shelf in the back warehouse of his nuts. And he was like, I can't believe that one was still good. Jimmy, I really, I know this is going to be so fucked up for you to edit. <laughs> a and lot I'm, more and complicated I'm so than sorry. you And I'm so sorry. No, I leave. no that's not getting cut out. That's going to stay in there. In. Oh, yeah, that's staying in. Oh, yeah. Guys, this has been so much fucking fun. It has been. And it's been so nice to have someone on the podcast to actually explain to us. What's going we on? Because we usually don't. <laughs> we yeah, usually we, are trying to figure out. We have it out a lot ourselves. more of those old man nuts comments usually. <laughs> no, the no, bodacious, that, that's every time. The bodacious tits. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I can't contribute. <laughs> Not tonight, anyway. That was a theme in the That was what the book was about. <laughs> it wasn't. That's that why, it wasn't. Why it was the it wasn't. Her last, name, <laughs> wasn't. her last name was Hugo because they were huge. No, it wasn't. It absolutely <laughs> wasn't. Y'all are thinking about the other book now. <laughs> it was named after her. It wasn't. She was the titular character. Y'all are thinking it's about the there. other book now. <laughs> The Seven Wives book. <laughs> yeah, as we're talking about, All right, right? I'm assuming we're done. <laughs> okay. First, first, uh, tell us where, tell our listeners where and to find your, your podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so we, we are um, Bitches and Bourbon. That's where we are. And we would love for you to come find us. Apple, just, Spotify, just go on a everything, quest. Everything. Like just, just <laughs> yeah. everything. All, for all of them. All Wherever of them. fine podcasts Live can journal. be found. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, and tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.